following program contains language and subject matter that you may consider unsuitable for children. Parental discretion is advised. Greetings, Earthling. Uh, His Highness the Jackal. The Jackal. I'm going to pass the reins to Mr. Jackal, the new king of radio. I think Jackal's a Latino. I'm not sure, but he'll give it to you again. The Jackal. Welcome one, welcome all, welcome friends, welcome foes. This is another episode of the Angel Espino Show, and of course, our number two, Inside the Jackal's Head. Thank you all for joining me live on this very, very special evening. Of course, it's Mother's Day, and I want to thank all the mothers out there for being moms and for uh, taking care of what your responsibility as a mother is. And for those who have mothers still with them, hopefully you had a lovely day with your mom on this beautiful May 9th, 2021. Unfortunately, as some of you know, I don't have my mother with me anymore, and it is one of the uh, you know moments of the year that I really, really miss her over the last several years since I lost my mother. And, uh, you know, I had a lot of friends uh, sending me uh, messages earlier the last uh, couple of days uh, telling me, you know, uh, hopefully that I'm okay. And I want to thank everybody for, you know, uh, reaching out. And believe it or not, it was actually a lot of people. I wasn't expecting a lot of people to reach out. But, you know, everybody knows how close I was to my mom. And uh, I got a lot of, uh, you know, uh, people that uh, care. And uh, thank all of you, and, I, and there'll be too long of a list to uh, go uh, over names, so I'll just uh, thank you all universally, but uh, thank you all for uh, for reaching out, I really do appreciate it, uh, but uh, it's a special day, Mother's Day, and uh, gotta love moms, man, if you have your mom with you, like I said, I hope uh, hopefully you guys uh, and gals uh, spent the uh, day with them, and uh, kiss them, hug them, spend as much time as you can with them. Because uh, once you lose them, it's uh, never the same. That void never goes away, folks. It really doesn't. Uh, but happy times for those who have them. So, like I said, enjoy them while you can. And uh, tonight's going to be a lovely show. I have a lot of stuff to go over where it's news-related. Uh, because, you know, that's something that I love to uh, go over here on the uh, show. Uh, uh, you know, I try to stay as current with the current events as currently, currently possible. As much of a tongue twister as that might be, I'm going to try to say that again. I try to stay as currently current with current events as currently possible. Anyway, there's a lot of stuff uh, happening, as you uh, folks are well aware. Uh, the news is uh, every day uh, loaded with a bunch of BS and garbage, and I got a couple audio clips that I'm going to play here. And uh, once this goes to video, I'll make sure the video uh, has uh, the clip on there also. Uh, but a, a lot of stuff uh, that I'm going to get to is uh, as current as possible, and it sure infuriates some of you because I'm going to point out some blatant lines on one of the videos or audio clips, uh, and when you hear it, you're going to be like, yeah, uh, you know, the brainwashing is in. Uh, it's a, it's a, They're not even playing around anymore in the media. They just put it in your face like you're being brainwashed. We're lying to you. You're stupid. Keep following the narrative. And uh, it's uh, on a daily basis now, and it's getting more and more outrageous and just laughable when you see what's going on. Uh, other than that, uh, i got, uh, like I said, a couple of clips I want to play. I want to give a big round of applause, if at all possible. Peter, can you, can you, uh, can we make the applause happen? 
on time today. Is that is that possible, by the way? No, no, hold on, Petey. No, no, not, not yet, not yet, no. Hold on. First, I want to give a round of applause. Now, Petey. Jesus. All right, you can, you can, Petey, cut it off. All right, thank you, Petey. Uh, a round of applause went to Elon Musk who yesterday made his uh, Saturday Night Live debut and actually did pretty well. I mean, I thought it was going to be a lot more weird and awkward, <laughs> and it was pretty weird and awkward. Uh, but he did a pretty decent job, especially with the intro monologue and stuff. And you got to give him, a, a, you know, a lot of love because this is a guy who, yeah, he's a genius. SpaceX, Tesla, technology, the whole nine yards, I get it. The guy is taking us to, to space and Mars, and he's a brilliant you know, uh, scientist and all this stuff, but he also suffered from, uh, suffers from Asperger's syndrome, and I know that illness very well. I have it in my family, and I know uh, a few folks with it. I'm not going to get personal here, but uh, let's just say I know the uh, syndrome very well. It's uh, not something that could stop you from being a brilliant person, as Elon Musk is proof of that. Uh, it's not like mental retardation or anything, but it's a, a social uh, issue where you have uh, anxiety or you have uh, issues uh, with your personality in dealing with being in front of large crowds and social situations. Uh, some uh, dudes have issues talking to girls, uh, not because they're gay or transgender, it's just they they you know have uh, the anxiety attacks or panic attacks. Uh, you know, when they're in front of the female uh, persuasion. Or uh, if they're in front of large crowds, for example, uh, they'll have panic attacks. So, I mean, the fact that he got through it and he did really well in the monologue was uh, the OJ joke, by the way, killed. It was very funny. Uh, he, he did well, and I, I, like I said, I'm very proud of the fact that he uh, went out there and put himself out there like that. What was funny, though, it was the, some of the reports that was coming out of uh, like the writing staff of SNL, who had, I guess, uh, made up their minds that this guy was like an evil genius, demented bad guy. And a few of them refused to work with Elon Musk, which begs the question, what the hell is wrong with these people? I mean, this guy has done really nothing wrong to them. Uh, yeah, he's now the richest dude on the planet, but look, you know, the guy's put in the work. I mean, that's uh, capitalism, baby. That's what America is all about. You put in the work, you do your job, and you get rewarded. And he's done that not only in America, but he did that outside in. You know, for example, uh, you know, he resides in Texas, but he's a South African. It's not like he was born here with a silver spoon in, a, in America's, uh, you know, backyard. Uh, you know, he's not a redneck from the, the country or anything like that. I mean, the guy, uh, is South African, uh, came, uh, to America, like a lot of other people, and, uh, came here with goals in mind. He's doing what he's doing. The government's working with him, and, uh, we've, uh, been able to go into space, and, uh, next thing you know, we're gonna go to, uh, to Mars, thanks to this guy, the moon. Uh, you know, he's gonna help us get, uh, out there in space. If we haven't already been doing that, which is something I think, of course, we've all, uh, on this show have openly discussed for a long time as what really is going on. You know, NASA 
my favorite uh, code name uh, for them of, uh, you know, when you decipher their NSA, NASA name, NASA. Never a straight answer. So let's just assume that they're not lying, right? <clears throat> Big assumption here. And let's say we've not been back to the moon in all this time, or we've never set foot on Mars. Then Elon Musk, uh, if everything goes according to plan, it's going to be somebody who came in and developed these rockets, did it on his own, and uh, now the government is uh, working with him uh, and is saving money, by the way, because NASA is a very expensive project, and the shuttle missions were really expensive. Now we don't have to worry about it. It's all paid by uh, Elon Musk and his company through their grants and their billions and gajillions of dollars and uh they're doing what they're doing and of course uh they're helping uh, to take us uh, to the stars and beyond so again i don't understand why snl uh started hating on this dude uh just because but it shows you that uh you know he has thicker skin than that and he still did the show and again did a good job and the monologue was really really funny and uh, he is a quirky, weird dude, but he's a scientist. I mean, can you name me a scientist who hasn't been a little bit weird or a little bit off? Besides, you know, the great Neil deGrasse Tyson, who is just, uh, you know, in a, a league above his uh, his self, by the way. Um, you know, it, it it is what it is. Uh, I want to give a special shout-out to, uh, to a good friend of mine uh, who is uh, right now uh, away uh, from radio, and we miss him a whole lot. Thomas J. Uh, J. Fry, Thomas Fry, uh, he uh, did the uh, show Blue Collar Politics, and I've been chatting with him on uh, Skype. I haven't talked to him in a little bit, but good dude, man. I miss his show, and hopefully we uh, get him back on air soon here on, on PSN Radio or on uh, the other networks, which, by the way, I forgot to mention this. Uh, we are being carried, as usual, on PSN Radio, uh, SoFlow Radio, and, uh, of course, and uh, maybe, of course, I'm not sure, I can't honestly say, perhaps, Global Enlightenment Radio Network. Uh, I don't know, I haven't talked to uh, Odin. He's been asked guarding a whole kind of uh, a bunch of things. Uh, Odin, of course, is Daryl, the owner. I'm not sure if he's still carrying the show. i got to ask him, because... You know, we talked about that a while back, and he said he would carry the uh, Sunday show for sure, but I don't know. I, I can't hear myself because obviously I'm live on air, so I don't know if I'm being heard there or not. Uh, but it's all good. You know, either way, I'll give him a shout-out. But Thomas Friedman, good dude. Hopefully everything's going good for him, and uh, we uh, hope to hear from him uh, in the near future. Uh, as far as uh, that is concerned, though, uh, let me see, I got, uh, Thomas, uh, no, not Thomas, what am I saying? His middle, middle initials T, but it's, uh, that's not his first name. Uh, tonight, join me on the second hour on Inside the Jackal's Heads Hour. It's going to be the one and only, uh, Micah T. Dank, uh, on the uh, show here. And tonight, we're going to talk about his new series of books called Into the Rabbit Hole, the first book, Into the Veil. You can now catch that on Amazon.com. It, uh, as it explores astrology, the hidden codes, plus what is real and what is possible encountering the way of politics, conspiracy, fringe medicine, history, language, and what it means to survive. I think Kate 
would have a great time with Micah on her show. We should uh, set that up. Uh, Pete? Yeah, my producer Petey agrees. Uh, let me see, he says here, in 1983, when Micah was born, he was born in uh, Oceanside, New York, so he's a New Yorker. I'm not going to hold that against you, Micah. I'm not going to hold that against you. You're a good dude, so I'm not holding that against you. Uh, but from a young age, he wanted to be a writer. Coming from a family of writers, well, you know, they say the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, right? And he's a good writer, too, so I can imagine uh, the parents were good writers here. Uh, his father was a producer and uh, radio news editor at CBS News in Manhattan, and his grandfather uh, was a producer for CBS News also. This is, of course, when CBS still actually did news, because none of these journalists now on uh, the news are really journalists or even uh, talking about news anymore. My goodness, they've all sold out. It's like a bunch of talking heads just giving opinions. Like, journalism and news died. Like, real journalists are no longer around. Like, it's all opinion-based now. Uh, and mostly it's bullshit opinion. But anyway, uh, his grandfather and uh, father were around CBS when they really had news journalists. Uh, Micah was an actor in high school and became interested in writing from his 12th grade English teacher, Russell Reed. Shout-outs to him. Uh, from there, he majored in English at Sunny Albany and transferred down to Cooney Hunter College in Manhattan to earn his bachelor's degree in language, literature, and criticism. Something I'm very good at, by the way, criticism. I, I criticize well. I don't know about the whole language, uh, language uh, literature, and criticism, but I criticize very well. Uh, it wasn't until he moved to Boston uh, for a new job that became that he became interested in all the uh, esoteric science, esoteric science, uh, including the astrology and astrotheology uh, prevalent through his book series, which is cool because it's a combination of uh, fact and fiction. So I, I mean, and I dig that. I think a lot of uh, the stuff we've got in Hollywood, for example, over the last uh, 40, 50 years, dealing with aliens and ET has been a mixture of fact and fiction. Uh, a lot of folks have, uh, of course, over the years talked about the Close Encounters of the Third Kind and how Steven Spielberg nailed it because he had uh, a lot of inside information which possibly told him, hey, this stuff actually happened. And uh, when you look at that movie and you see, like, what happens in that movie, it's very plausible uh, that that stuff happens. So I've always been kind of uh, an, uh, a little bit adamant that I think Hollywood is on the inside and they are being told uh, some of these things. Uh, so the fact that he wrote in that kind of vein, uh, it's interesting to me. So I really look forward to having Micah Dank on and uh, just uh, checking out his book, man. I saw the first one, uh, Beneath the Veil. Uh, looks uh, very interesting. Now, of course, Art Bell years ago talked about the dropping of the veil, right, between possible multiverses, universes, galaxies, whatever. Um, the other side, heaven, hell, earth, right? Um, how much of that will be in the books? I don't know. I mean, like I said, this is a, a mixture of uh, fact and fiction, but the first book, Beneath the Veil, is over on Amazon right now and all that much. Uh, that's going to be followed up by a series of other books, The Sacred Stones, The Secret Weapon, Pangea's Pandemic, 
the hidden archives and the final type. And uh, you can uh, find all this stuff over by checking him out on his uh, website and Facebook. Uh site is facebook.com forward slash G-O-V-T dot Asperger's. And um, there you go. I wonder if uh, that has something to do with uh, him having Asperger's syndrome. I don't know. We'll find out. Uh, let's see. Uh, also with uh, Micah, you could check out his Twitter account, which uh, is uh, something that I definitely want to put out there so you guys can uh, follow him on uh, Twitter. If you uh, go up and look at Real Mr. Dank, that's his Twitter uh, handle. So if uh, you Twitters out there, you Twiddlers, Twitty, uh, Twiddle, Woodpeckers, who twiddle along and follow Twitter people, go give him a follow. I'm sure he'll, he needs it. And by the way, you can follow me also on my Twitter account. I need it also, man. We all need Twitter account following. Uh, mine is uh, Angel Espino Show on Twitter, so at Angel Espino Show, in case you don't know it already. Of course, you can uh, check out the podcast of this later on on uh, my website, angelespino.com. As I podcast everything for F-R-E-E, for those who cannot spell, that's free. So if you guys want to check it out, of course, it'll be available as soon as uh, possible. And uh, you can download it for free once again. So we're going to have uh, Micah on here in the next uh, possibly 20 or so minutes when we go on break. I have an uh, audio clip here that I do want to get to. And this is very mucho importante. Like I said, I wanted to uh, play this uh, for you folks. This is Brian Williams. And this is uh, the total hypocrisy of what's going on with uh, with the media. And when I say the journalism, folks, it's dead. It, it, you, get, you might as well kiss it goodbye. Listen to this nincompoop, Brian Williams, and just a complete the stupidity of what this guy had to say. This is on the 11th hour. Once again, day 107 of the Biden administration, the president making a relentless push now for his agenda and his multi-trillion dollar proposals to set our country on a new course. Yet he may now have to contend with even more intense resistance from a Republican Party devoting itself more and more to Donald Trump and the big lie. In response, they've set in motion what amounts to a national movement to pass new state laws restricting voting. Okay, hold on. Let me stop right there. First of all, the big lie. Why is Brian Williams, a journalist, putting an opinion when it is supposed to be a report on something that's supposedly happening, right? You're not, as a person of MSNBC, right, you're not supposed to give your opinion and to push this narrative that it's a big lie, Brian Williams. I'm sorry, but there's been a lot of proof that not all things happen that which uh, properly done in the the past election. There's a lot of mounting evidence, but this is just one of the many lies that Brian Williams says. Of course, he's a, a complete sellout. So, uh, him lying doesn't All of shock it me. As if to remedy voter fraud that did not take place. The late again another lie: voter fraud that did not take place. Well, gee, just because you say it does not mean it. You know, didn't happen. These were the bestest elections ever. No fraud at all. Nothing. Even though every election's had fraud in the past, this one it was a big win because there was the bestest held election 
ever, according to these uh, nincompoops on the left. And Brian Williams is a big Just one. effort playing out tonight in Texas, where lawmakers are debating a new voting law amid vocal opposition. This one would increase criminal penalties for some voting irregularities and greatly empower partisan poll watchers on the day of the vote. Earlier today, in what amounted to a photo op carried live on Fox News, Florida's Governor DeSantis signed their new voting law, which is largely aimed at curbing mail-in voting access. All other news outlets other than Fox News were denied access to the event, something DeSantis clearly didn't think was a problem. Why did you only allow Fox News to capture the moment you signed the controversial election bill? We were happy to give them the exclusive on that, and I think, uh, I think it went really, really well. For the record, Fox says it didn't request the event to be an exclusive, didn't ask for the other networks to be locked out. The developments in Texas and Florida follow that Georgia law passed back in March that also limited mail-in ballots. Several voting and civil rights organizations have filed suits to block Florida's law, including the NAACP, which calls it, quote, a blatant and calculated attack on the right to vote and a horrifying reminder of the fragility of democracy. Earlier today, former Obama campaign manager David Plouffe had this warning. This is a DEFCON one moment for democracy. Uh, we're not threatened by other nations or enemies, it's a threat from within. Uh, democracy is hanging by uh, the thinnest thread uh, in our country's history. As others have raised, it's no coincidence here that this is happening as the Republican Party undergoes what appears to be a purge of those seen as insufficiently loyal to Donald Trump. Party members in the House are on track for a vote next week to remove Congresswoman Liz Cheney from their leadership ranks because she refuses to stay quiet about Trump and the big lie. Her replacement will likely be Elise Stefanik of upstate New York, who today showcased her total willingness to promote that lie on a podcast hosted by ex-Trump White House strategist Steve Bannon. When you talk to any voter across this country, certainly at any Republican event, they are focused on election security and election integrity. It is important to stand up for these constitutional issues. And these are questions that are going to have to be answered before we head into the 2022 midterms so that the American people have faith in our election system. I fully support the audit in Arizona. We want transparency and answers for the American people. We need to fix these election security issues going into the future. All of that right out of the Trump playbook. That Arizona audit the congresswoman referred to ongoing in Maricopa County. It was commissioned by Republicans there. It involves recounting over two million already recounted ballots. Stefanik didn't just push the dubious claim about the need for election security during her interview with Steve Bannon. She also made a pitch for a job in House Republican leadership. This is also about being one team, and I'm committed to being a voice and being a clear, sending a clear message that we are one team, and that means working with the president and working with all of our excellent Republican members of Congress. Well, Jonathan, I'd like to begin with you and your beat. You described this phase of the Biden presidency as his most perilous. Why is that? 
Well, Brian, the first 100 days, of course, was dominated by the response to the pandemic in terms of increasing the number of vaccines out to Americans. And as you just read, uh, they've certainly had real success with that, even though, of course, there are some who are still hesitant to take the vaccine and they've got work to do there. Also, it was easy to kind of get all the oars rowing in the same direction um, in terms of Democrats to dealing with COVID really first. That was a slam dunk as the first move. It now gets harder. He didn't have Republican support then. He's got even less now. We heard from Mitch McConnell this week saying his his goal was 100 percent, to quote him, block the administration's agenda, uh, that the president is attempting once again today, to reach out in a bipartisan fashion for his infrastructure and jobs plan. And to this point, Republicans are saying no, because they object to the idea of raising taxes for the wealthiest Americans or for large corporations. Now, what the White House is doing is trying to aim over the heads of uh, Republican lawmakers on Capitol Hill to Republican voters themselves who, per polling, like these ideas, but also local Republicans, mayors, Governors, uh, including the one today in Lake Charles, who introduced President Biden to this event, said, hey, there's a lot of things we disagree about. But one thing we do agree about, the need for infrastructure, the need to repair this bridge behind us and the need for disaster relief. So the stakes are high and the clock is ticking. The White House knows that historically the party in power, the party that has the presidency, loses at the midterms, those off midway through the first term and Biden and Democrats have historically slim margins. So this will be tough to get this through. And beyond this, turning to even thornier issues like policing or voting rights, it only gets harder from here. It only gets harder because we all know that Joe Biden is a known liar. And when he talks about infrastructure, folks, very small uh, percentage of the uh, package that that uh, Biden plans to pass here actually will fix infrastructure in this country. A lot of this stuff is to pass money over to companies that are planning to build back better through the Green New Deal. That's why you have uh, AOC and all these nincompoops are so happy with Joe Biden right now that they're literally like sucking on his, you know what, on his uh, Hunter Biden. And uh, they're doing whatever, you know, they, you know, they can't to spread crap like Trump's big lie. And, you know, this is a narrative because they're scared. They're going to lose power in the midterm elections. Uh, and there's a very good chance that after all the horrible things that uh, Biden and his misadministration are doing, and, folks, it's a lot of terrible things, uh, you know, from executive orders in record numbers to the Keystone Pipeline disaster to the border crisis. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's happening that is not good, and it's thanks to uh, Joe Biden. And they know that they're going to have to really step up their game in rigging the 2024 election if they want to keep the White House. And I think that, you know, this country is going to tear apart the left because what we're seeing as a collective, no matter if you're on the right or the left, we're seeing the facts. And if you're anywhere in the middle and you're and you're holding out for any hope that the left can redeem themselves, forget it, folks. There's no redeeming. Look, I was a Democrat for years. I voted as Democrat on the Obama ticket. And I can tell you right now, what's happening right now is terrible for this country. I left the party because of that reason. I'm independent. I'm not Republican or Democrat like a lot of you know. I'm in the middle. There's a reason for that. Why am I in the middle? Because I don't trust either side. But I really, really don't trust the left. They're all radical, they're radicalized right now, and it's 
tearing this country apart. Again, Brian Williams is supposed to be a journalist, right? Why is he saying that this is a big lie? The big lie happened on November 3rd when you guys rigged the election, when there was ballots being counted overnight illegally, when poll watchers were not allowed in with other Democratic poll watchers or counting votes. Uh, Republicans uh, that were there to work legally to help count votes and make sure no shenanigans are going on in these swing states were told they cannot come in. This is not BS. This wasn't a big lie. There is footage of this happening at these voting locations. I have it on my hard drive. If anybody wants it, you can ask me directly. I'll send you the videos. I have the footage of them pulling out the boxes in bags full of votes when they told everybody to go home. These are not lies, folks. Forget about the Dominion machine and whatever you know they might have cooked up there. Uh, forget that. The fact that the universal ballot is being considered a big step in the right direction is a failure. Universal mail-in ballots lead to voter fraud on a massive scale. Look, I am sick. I have lupus. I have other illnesses. I have a tumor in my leg. Freshly operated. I went and I got there and I voted. Okay, guys? So don't give me this crap that you can't go and vote because you're afraid of, like, an invisible virus that kills 1% of the population. Get your lazy ass up and go vote like every American has for the last 400 years. In this country, you go and you freaking vote. This million ballot is cooked up by the left because this is the way to rig elections from here to the end of time. They can go ahead and they can throw whatever ballots that went into it. That's why they don't want even people to have IDs. They're saying it's Jim Crow laws to have an ID to vote. Are you kidding me? To vote for the presidency? So you need an ID to buy booze, smoke cigarettes, to get into movie theaters, to do everything, right? You need IDs to drive, right? Why wouldn't you need an ID to prove who you are when you're going to go vote for the president of the United States or your Congress people or your governors? Think about that. The people that want to put the, the ability to, to overcome the right to actually vote in person and want to make it so anybody can vote, doesn't matter if you have an ID or not, those are the people that are in charge of cheating. And those are the cheaters. And cheaters need to be stopped. And the, the stuff that's happening in Georgia, Arizona, here in Florida. God bless them. These governors are doing finally right by what, they, what needs to be done. Because if not, we're never going to have a fair, a fair and free election again in this country. The left is weaponizing the youth. They've been doing it for decades. And right now, what's going on, folks, it's scary. And we all have to be very, very open-minded and opened eyes that what really is happening. And stop listening to nincompoops like Brian Williams. That audio should infuriate everybody. Liz Cheney's a rhino. Mitt Romney's a rhino. We need to get rid of, rid of these people from the Republican Party and get people in there who really know what the American people want. Whether you're a Republican or Democrat, get the people that are radical out of your party. That's the only way to save America. Folks, we're going to be back in a couple of minutes with Micah Dank on the show, and we're going to talk about his uh, book, Into the Rabbit Hole, and uh, we got much more. This is the Angel Espino Show, Inside the Jackal Said. You know the drill. We'll be back after the break.
said that? Me, down here. Ugh, what are you, a yellow booger? I'm a banana slug, Steven. What are you doing in my room? I'm your sense of adventure. It's been a long time since we've had an adventure in the forest. Mom took me to the forest last year. I'm a slug, Steven. It took me a long time to get here. You're right. I should get out. Yeah, the forest is not that far away. Hey, Mom, come to the forest where the more adventurous you lives. Check out discovertheforest.org for cool places nearby. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Unleashed Jeremy Hansen, the most explosive pro-American podcast on the planet. Pro-MAGA, pro-Trump, pro-conservative. Come join the resistance. Fight for what really matters in America. 5 p.m. Central on UJHLive.com, Spreaker, iHeartRadio, Pandora, or Megabook.com. Come join the resistance and fight for America. Unleashed Jeremy Hansen. Do you value yourself, your family, your friends? Want to know more about how to survive, thrive, and stay alive in these dynamic times? Listen to Around the Campfire with Kate, Thursday nights and Sunday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Central, only on PSN TV. That's Around the Campfire with Kate, news that nobody in the MSM wants to report. Remember, train hard, train smart to survive, thrive, and stay alive. Here's a riddle for you. What do the California Gold Rush of the 1850s, secret societies, coded messages, mysterious 19th century flying machines, and an early 20th century outside artist named Charles A.A. Delshaw all have in common? The Secrets of Delshaw by Dennis Crenshaw and Pete Navarro. Go to www.secretsofdelshaw.com to learn more. Come listen to the Bloviating Zeppelin's Berserk Bobcat Saloon Radio Show Tuesday and Thursday nights at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific for the best in late-night conservatarian wireless talk radio at shrmedia.com. Raised as a free-range child with dirt and freedom, BZ is broadcasting behind enemy lines in occupied California. Jump into our plush, sumptuous, palatial, and resplendent chat room at shrmedia.com. Now, with a 18% more umbrage and 20% more bobosity than previous shows and with delicious Liberty additives. Remember, BZ realizes that with great beard comes great responsibility. No chinchillas were harmed, embarrassed, or the focus of any sarcasm whatsoever in the making of this ad. Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. Celebrity fragrances. They're everywhere. First, it was Elizabeth Taylor with Passion. Then came actress Linda Evans with Crystal. And Cher with her outrageous perfume, Uninhibited. Then superstar Elizabeth Taylor came out with another perfume, Notorious. Now Liz has gotten together with the first lady-to-be, Hillary Clinton, to introduce a new perfume. Introducing the first celebrity perfume of the Clinton administration. It's part Liz and part Hillary. 
part notorious and part Mrs. Clinton. It's Hillary's Clintorious. <laughs> Hillary's Clintorious. <laughs> Nothing smells quite like it. <laughs> Holy mackerel, what's that smell? That's my Clintorious. <laughs> Clintorious. Available at fine cosmetics counties, the post office, and at most bait and tackle shops. <laughs> Look for the red dinghy decanter. It's hard to find, but worth the search. Clintorious. As Hillary Clinton says, this stuff makes that slut Jennifer Flowers smell like a hot tuna casserole. <laughs> Nothing smells quite like Clintorious. Smell it. I can't even find it. Is that it? That's not it. Well, where the hell is it? Clintorious. Give it to her by the bottle or give it to her in her very own decorative pink box. To the Angel Espino Show. This is the Inside the Jackal's Head portion. And uh, I want to thank you all for spending again your evening with me on this beautiful night, May 9th, 2021. We're almost at the 11 o'clock hour. And right now, joining me is the gentleman of the hour, the one and only, the guest of the evening, Micah T. Danks. Uh, who I'm going to read his bio real quick because, again, I read it earlier, but I really want you guys to understand who this person is. Micah T. Dank uh, is an author. Uh, I would say a visionary in a lot of ways because I really dig his work. I've uh, you know done a little research into uh, what he's done. Uh, but the book that he has uh, really kind of reached out to me when I read like the idea behind it where he was going to mix uh, fiction with fact. I, you know, I love that fiction, facts. Uh, in literature, I think it works beautifully. Uh, the uh, book series is called Into the Rabbit Hole. The first one, Into the Veil, just is on Amazon right now as it explores astrology and hidden codes, plus what is real and what is possible encountering the way of politics, conspiracy, fringe medicine, history, language, and what it means to survive. Micah T. Dank was uh, born in 1983 in Oceanside, New York. Again, I'm not holding that against you, Micah. I know you're a New Yorker, but I'm not holding it against you. But from a young age, I know you wanted to be a writer, which is something that we share in common. And uh, you came from a family of writers. In fact, I will say this. Your uh, father and grandfather worked for CBS when news was really being told by CBS, when there was real journalism and uh, right now we're far away from that. And Micah, thank you so much for spending your time on the show here with me. It's a oh, pleasure to bring me. you on. Thank you for having me. And, you know, I, I wanted to lead with this because Into the Veil is an interesting name for a book. Beneath the Veil. Beneath the Veil. Oh, okay. Beneath the Veil. Sorry. Into the Veil, uh, that is the first book, right? Or, because Beneath that's the what Veil the, is the first book the... of Into the Rabbit Hole. Okay, okay. Beneath the, the Veil. Now, the the whole part of the Veil... Uh, is what really uh, gets me because Art Bell years ago talked about the dropping of the veil, and I'm a big Art Bell fan. 
Um, and right. reading synopsis and reading part of the book, I haven't gone through the whole thing, obviously, because, you know, there's a lot of uh, stuff that you're working on. Uh, but get a, a little bit into uh, this book and, and tell the audience of exactly what it is that, you know, the book is about. So it's about basically um, hidden codes that are within the Bible, which can be decoded using astrology and something called astrotheology, which is basically the mythology of the Zodiac. Uh, you'd be surprised how many codes there are in there that reference the, the Zodiac themselves, uh, both openly and not openly. Um, and that's basically the majority of what the Bible is made up of. And I go through in my six book series, I go through all the different codes within the Bible that you can decode using this stuff. And it just brings a new light and it shines a new way to look at things. Now the uh, the hidden codes, the Bible codes. Uh, you know, people seen movies and stuff on this before. Um, I know that you like to draw fact and fiction, like I said earlier, into the right. uh, the book here. Uh, you know, can you tell us a little bit of what you uncovered when it comes to the factual part of the, some of the Bible codes? Because there's a lot of stuff in the Bible and uh, stuff that I think people have mistranslated or been kind of like sideways brainwashed into believing it means one thing when it actually has other things in there, which means something completely yeah, different. Yeah, they're, they're basically, um, the best way to describe it, I guess, would be they're just, they're different ways to look at it. Um, like what, like for example, I'll give you one example. I don't want to get too many of them because it's going to, it's going to basically give it away. But, um, um, so you're familiar with uh I don't know what your sign is, but you're familiar with the sign Leo, right? Of course, yeah. Who yeah, that's it? the li- that's the lion. <laughs> yeah. And um there's there's a phrase in the Bible that says pride comes before the fall. Right. Well, um if you were to read that literally, you could take it as, you know, your ego will be your downfall. But if you read it through astrology, uh a group of lions is called a pride. And so pride is Leo. Right. So Leo is the pride that comes before the fall, the season of the fall, because Leo is in July and August. Okay. Makes sense. Uh, Well, I mean, even uh, the story of, like, the resurrection of Jesus, I mean, all this stuff is astrobiology-based, isn't it? It is astrotheology-based, yeah. Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. The reason that he's... uh, he's dead for three days is because that's what the sun does. Astrotheology basically says that um, Jesus was not a living person. He's a metaphor for the sun in the sky, not the son Mm -hmm. of God. That's a mistranslation. Um, And it's basically, it's done on purpose. It's it's to blur the lines because the Bible is uh, truth and fiction too. Um, So when, what happens is on December 21st, the winter solstice, the sun rises at its lowest point and it actually doesn't rise at all. So they said that the sun was dead. And then from December 21st to December 24th, those three days, it stays at that height. It doesn't rise at all. So they said that God's son was dead for three days, just like, and then they made it about Jesus being Mm -hmm. dead for three days. And then on December 25th, the sun rises a degree and it comes back to life. It's the resurrection. It's the birth of Jesus. It's the birth of many other gods. That's where that comes from. 
Right. Now, and a lot of folks don't even understand that a lot of the attributes that Jesus uh, got, and then for those who seem like zeitgeist, for example, we know what we're right. talking about here, um, the horse aspect and the other gods, the, and Mar- and like Maitreya and the Buddha and uh, these other uh, deities of uh, the you know, lived, supposedly, or have been around in other religions over the uh, the eons, uh, all share very similar common attributes. And all that stuff was stuff that was used to construct the Jesus figure, I assume, correct? Correct. That's right. That's right. Um, they basically, everything else was a god. Jesus is a god, but in this iteration of the story, he becomes human. And he becomes a living person, and that's that's the only difference really between the story of Jesus, the story of Horus, the story of mm-hmm. Mithra, the story of Tammuz, the story of Dagon. It's all the same stuff. Right. They all were dead for three days. They all came back. They had twelve apostles. They had it was everything. All this it was the same story because it's what the sun does through the twelve months of the year. Mm-hmm. You know, it's basically a farmer's almanac. Yeah, you know it's and it is, but and it's funny because uh, people don't understand like the whole connection. They're like, "Well, Jesus was a fisherman, of course he lived." I'm like, "Do you understand what the the whole term the, with the fishes, uh, Pisces?" Yeah, well, yeah, he was the fisher. <laughs> well, he, he was known as the fisherman of men. That's right. when the sons. That's when the sons in Pisces. It's also why when he was on the mound, he fed the masses with two fish. He fed them with two fish. Two fish is Pisces. Right, and he also fed exactly. them with five loaves of bread. Well, the loaves of bread are Virgo is the sign of the Virgin, the lady holding the stalk of wheat, and that's because when Virgo, you see Virgo in the sky, you basically you plant the seeds for the for the wheat earlier in the year, and when Virgo comes out, you can harvest it and make the bread. So you have the fish and the bread; those are the symbols of Christianity. Those are also opposing signs in the zodiac. Correct. Yeah. Uh... And why do you think that the church went and created the uh, the, the human figure for the uh, Messiah, uh, the it Jesus was figure? Three twenty-five A.D. during the Council of Nicaea, where Constantine literally converted all these metaphors. Because before then, people were reading the Bible with these encoded things in mind; they weren't taking right. it literally. But it became a literal thing. Three twenty-five A.D. Now I, I've seen uh, some uh, work uh, in some books uh, in uh, the last uh, decade, with, which deal with uh, Jesus or a person that they constructed that Jesus uh, model also after being uh, possibly one of the last pharaohs of Egypt. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with that at all, and uh, they even mm-hmm. uh, there's uh, you know talk that possibly uh, an offspring of Julius Caesar and Cleopatra might have been also. Uh, part of the narrative that they used to construct the, the, the new Roman Empire used to construct their Jesus figure, which kind of makes sense because I think Little Caesar uh, was the name of the supposed the offspring of uh, Caesar Caesarian was the name of uh, Julius Caesar and Cleopatra, uh, and mm-hmm. supposedly this person had a lot of the similar attributes like Mary Magdalene. A lot of the names mm-hmm. are familiar. Uh, the storyline is uh, similar, and that he disappears for a number of years and reappears. Uh, and it makes sense that the, also the Vatican spent what like four hundred years or three hundred something years, like you said, that they wouldn't talk about with the image of uh, their Christ. Like you, you couldn't like depict it right anywhere. You couldn't depict it. It was it, it, well, it, it was different. It wasn't like uh, like 
uh, Muhammad in Islam, where you're right. just not allowed to depict it. There was just no depictions of it. And basically, if you go online and you look at this, uh, if you Google images of Jesus, you'll see this picture of white Jesus, right? And mm-hmm. it's all the same face. And his face is actually goes back to some guy named Caesar Borgia, right? Who was <clears throat> the bastard yep. son of Pope Alexander the Sixth? Because popes did used to have kids. They never got married, mm-hmm. of course, but they used to have kids, so they were all bastard kids, basically. But basically. Really, this pope decided that his son was going to be the face of Jesus, and he ruled in the mid-1500s, and that's right around the time the printing press came out. So when when they had that face, they had that drawing, they were able to spread that everywhere. And, and as far as Julius Caesar goes with Cleopatra, uh, Dante Alighieri and his Divine Comedy, you know, Inferno, mm-hmm. that everybody knows about, um, what basically, in the bottom level of hell, you have Satan, who has three heads. And he's chewing on three specific people. One is Judas Iscariot, who betrayed Jesus. Mm-hmm. The other two are Brutus and Cassius, who betrayed Julius Caesar. They were in the lowest layer of hell. Right. So he might have known that. Yeah. Uh, there, like I said, there's a good possibility that there's involvement there of uh, Little Caesar and uh, the whole narrative that we don't know about. There's a lot of stuff that we haven't been told by the uh, the church. You think they're ever going to come clean, Micah? Never. Never, unless it gets exposed. Well, good luck on that. I mean, the, their Hall of Record is uh, supposedly very impressive, too. Like, they have uh, a huge library under the, the Roman uh, yeah. Coliseum or whatever the hell they, they have it at the Vatican. Uh, but they're, they're, supposedly it's like, you know, we're talking about hundreds and hundreds of years of written work that uh, nobody's mm-hmm. seen or read. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, and that boggles the mind. I mean, I, I've always wondered what really is down there. Uh, which could connect some more dots here because, uh, again, I don't think the Vatican itself is ever going to come clean, like you said. Um, no. And, you know, it boggles the mind what the truth is uh, when it comes to, like, how everything is structured. But, uh, you know, they've also been guilty of uh, human trafficking and a lot of stuff over the years. Do you think a lot of that plays into the secrecy with the church? Yeah, absolutely. You'll find in higher, higher ups... Um, in, in just higher-ups in society, basically, there's always a level of trafficking. Mm-hmm. You know, there's always there's always something sinister going on there. You know, it's almost like a rite of passage, almost. Which makes you wonder why the church has the, uh, the telescope called the Lucifer, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And also, why some Jesus now look more like Obi-Wan Kenobi than the old Jesus? You ever notice yeah. that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that, but it's the same face still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's the same face, and, and if you were to Google Caesar Borgia, you'll see that it's the same face. Now, you have uh, the first book. Uh, you have actually, most of these books are already out. They're already out on Amazon, right? You have four books out on Amazon currently? Four, four, yeah, four are out right now. Five is right. coming out uh, in, in five weeks. Cool, yeah, because I, I know that the first one's one I read through a little bit on Amazon, the, the Beneath the Veil, I had the Into the Veil because of the Yarpel thing, but uh, mm-hmm. Beneath the Veil is the first one, the Sacred Stones, uh, mm-hmm. which I want to talk about that also because that deals with, uh, you know, Egypt and, and stuff like that, and uh, Egypt, I, I think, is a big part of uh, the plan, not Egypt like the, with the pharaohs, I'm talking about like, way even before the pharaohs, uh, you know, prehistorical record. 
I think there's a right. lot of activity in that area, and I think the Sphinx kind of like plays into that when you look at the Sphinx and the uh, the pyramids. Uh, the carbon dating on these things are like much older than the known civilizations on this planet. Uh, oh yeah. I, I mean, how long do you think mankind has been on this planet, Micah? For longer than we know. For longer than we know, for sure. Um, it's hard to say, to be honest, because there's so much disinformation out there. But at the at the very least, a couple hundred thousand years. Makes sense. At the very least. Yeah. I mean, the Sumerians were like, what, five, six thousand six years thousand, ago? Six thousand, yeah. And, and that's like the first known civilization that we know about. Um, yeah. That we know a little bit about but i mean this planet's been around four billion years so yeah it could very easily have been a couple hundred thousand years that mankind's been around or a version of mankind now check right. this out I, I have a, a kind of a theory on the bible and i want to run this through you and uh well by you not through you but i want to yeah. get your take on it uh because it's kind of a, been a working theory of mine and uh something that i've often looked at and said you know this kind of could tie the entire spectrum together now, this deals with uh, Adam and Eve, the Bible, uh, and aliens. As you know, I'm a big fan of uh, the alien phenomenon, and uh, we talk right. a lot about UFOs and stuff on, on the show here. And, uh, you know, I, I was an, uh, I guess I was an alumni of, of the great Art Bell, who's no longer with us, uh, you know, having uh, done time on Digital Matter with uh, him. And uh, Bill mm -hmm. and Nancy Burns, and you know we've talked often on the uh, show here and their shows on uh, the alien phenomenon. But my theory is that the Bible is actually loaded with alien stuff that people uh, are misinterpreting, including the Adam and Eve story. And this okay. is my theory, Micah. And my theory is that a version of uh, an alien race that looked very humanoid came to Earth a long time ago, maybe several hundred thousand years ago, or a hundred or two thousand years ago, and they found a race of humanoid beings, Neanderthal, or you know, a couple of versions of Neanderthal, that mm -hmm. were on a planet already settled here, and had not exactly uh, a civilization like we have it, obviously, but they were... Uh, you know, they made tools, and they, you know, they were semi-intelligent in their own way, and uh, they communicated, they, they had their own language and whatnot, but they were still very backward, you know, Neanderthal cavemen type. And um, when these aliens got here, they noticed that they really couldn't breathe the air properly. Maybe it was inhabitable to their species. And in a way to kind of uh, adapt or find a way to adapt to this planet, they started manipulating the genome. And the first successful two were Adam and Eve. The Adamski okay. and the Eve. And the reason I say that is because if you follow the Bible, and uh, I know that you know it well, uh, they talk about how Adam and Eve had two kids, Cain and Abel, right? Now, you can right. take this all as, you know, as theology, mythology, reality, whatever, uh, but let's just follow what the Bible says and pretend it's all fact. They had two kids, Cain and Abel. Cain kills Abel. Because I guess he's able to. I don't know. But he kills them. They, they were in the heat of battle. He kills his brother. Then God says, okay, even though I supposedly had castrated your parents from the Garden of Eden, I really didn't do that. 
But, you know, you killed your brother, so I'm really kicking you out now. So you got to go, Cain. So he kicks out Cain from the Garden of Eden, right? Right. Cain wanders around for a little while, and he comes around a, a village. And in his village, he finds settlers, including a young lady he ends up marrying and having kids with. Mm-hmm. Now, the question, of course, then becomes, and I'm going to do this in my most Seinfeld type of voice here, who are these people? <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. if Adam and Eve are the first and their kids are the second and third, and they grew up, I mean, unless Eve was, you know, <clears throat> giving it up a lot and they had a lot of kids that we don't know about, uh, but if that wasn't the case, then who are the people in this village that uh, Cain went and bared children with? Right. Um, there's no real answer to that as far as I know. I think that you're probably more far, far along with that kind of stuff. What do you, what do you think? <laughs> I, I think that was just a race of people that were here and uh, probably uh, got, you know, uh, hybrided out. Uh, which is what I think was the uh, the project that these beings came from, I, and I don't think they came from very far away. I think they they came from Mars, to be honest with you. And I think this is the big thing when humanity now is looking back and saying, you know, Mars is very interesting. Hmm, I wonder why. And the reason I bring Mars up as my possible destination for where they came from is because we're finding ruins on Mars. They look very similar to what we see in Egypt with the pyramids. A lot of pyramid structures. Of course, you know, you had the face on Mars, which uh, from the 70s, you know, a lot of people have, uh, you know, now said, yeah, it looks like a litter box or it looks fake or this or that with updated photos. Uh, but I think there's a lot of stuff on Mars that lead me to believe that, yeah, that life once was thriving on that planet. And... And my theory is that something happened there where life had to leave because there was maybe a nuclear war or some kind of a thing going on. So they mm-hmm. came right on over and they came to Earth. Earth was a bubbling place, a beautiful garden with a bunch of Neanderthals running around. And they said, well, we got to get rid of these Neanderthals if we want to survive. So I think that's mm-hmm. where the, the hybridization projects started. And it even goes, if you go into our DNA, there's so many, like, errors in the human DNA, I think it's like 36 or something, like, mistakes linked to the human DNA, which, Mm -hmm. if you're a geneticist and you're looking at hybridization, you know, you're going to make mistakes uh, along the process until you perfect the technology. So you would have possibly different-looking people, uh, maybe people that they have uh, major problems, you get discard those people, but let's just say we get a bunch of people with different shades and colors, you know, we keep those if they're intelligent, if they can be used for whatever, you know, they were used for, and if it continues genetically where these beings from Mars uh, have also, and maybe they can infuse that into whatever amount of people came with them, I mean, that's a possible uh, possibility also. If they could, you know, genetically create beings in a hybridization, maybe it was a, a way to also cure themselves so they could inhabit the planet. And, you know, okay. through trial and error, maybe that's what happened, you know, 100,000 years ago. And now we have society. And we have, you know, journalism the way it is now today, and it's just not good. But... <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, that's, uh, you know, just a, a byproduct of the stupidity that's going on in this planet right now, right now, which I think is why the aliens are like, well, you know, we want to tell you guys the truth, but look at you guys. You keep fighting over skin color and religion and stupid crap. I mean, you know, yeah. why should we bring you up to, like, speed of what's going on in the cosmos? You can't uh, get along with yourselves, let alone with the rest of society. You right. think we're going to bring you up to the space? We're not going to do that. That's, that'd be ri- yeah. ridiculous. I mean, what are your thoughts on all that? I think that, didn't they find that there was supposedly, like, a, a radioactive isotope in Mars's atmosphere that could have only come from a nuclear blast? That is actually correct. Uh, not only that, uh, Mars has around it, because, you know, every planet has a, a level of radiation. We all know that. Uh, Mars has a lot more radiation around it than it should have, considering the dense atmosphere and uh, the low you know, amount of oxygen that is present on the planet to end to no oxygen at this point. Uh, but the fact that it has all this radiation means that, uh, you know, we don't know the amount of years ago, but there was definitely something nuclear that went off on the planet. Now, if you look at the planet itself, Micah, and you look at the... the have you seen the planets, um, like that big scar that you can see right across the planet in some photos? Yeah. That's what I think happened. I think it was either maybe a nuclear war that went off in that area and left that scar on the planet, or maybe... Uh, some kind of uh, body from outside, like an asteroid hit it or something like that. And mm-hmm. lo and behold, that could have been what caused the mass extinction on uh, on Mars. Do you think there's people on Earth that actually know the truth? Yeah. I think uh, we've been uh, told the truth uh, by uh, the same folks that you know might have been here the whole time. And I think uh, some people are aware um, I think there's also maybe other groups from space that are, are you know, coming by and uh, said, uh, these humans are dropping bombs. Maybe we should uh, go look. And that's where you get some other groups of aliens that might be uh, snooping around. But I think, you know, right now in the next couple of months, they're saying they're going to drop a whole lot of disclosure stuff in the news. Where, you, and where I'm, are you getting that from? This isn't that Q stuff, is it? No, no, this is official government stuff. I mean, I mean this is not Q. And, by the way, I'm not a, 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 a Q and on uh, kook, just to let you know. Okay. Because <laughs> I know you're probably listening, you're like, uh, okay, maybe a Q and on Republican. No, I because I know they talk about David Wilcock talks about disclosure all the time. Oh, no, well, David Wilcock is an alcoholic. So, and... Uh, that whole V thing, by the way, uh, they, I don't know if you're doing dishes there, but, uh, but, uh, the whole V with the reptilians, uh, thing, uh, mm-hmm. he, to me, as somebody who saw the TV miniseries V that came out in the 80s, was really yeah. drunk and said, that's a point I can make some money on. Let me read some yeah. books. You know? There's a lot of people like that uh, who take advantage of uh, things they see and they create material that people buy. Billy Meyer, I don't believe either. There's a lot of stuff I don't believe. Um, I'm not, like I said, sold uh, to the QAnon crowd, uh, so I don't believe their stuff. But this is official. Uh, When Trump was in office, you can look this up on Google and whatever, he signed an, an executive order. Uh, not an executive, it was like a bill that passed through Congress, sorry, not an executive order, that in 180 days, this was, uh, I think around November, right before the election, 
Um, in 180 days, they're going to propose to release massive amount of documents of what the Pentagon and the government knows on UFOs or uh, UAPs, uh, aerial phenomenon, uh, basically. Right. Uh, and they're going to release all these documents on uh, on what they are aware of and what they know. And they've been talking about it more and more. And funny enough, this was late in the year when they signed this into into a bill. I had Steve Bassett on months before that. I'm talking about five months before that. And uh, he told me that around uh, April to July of this year, 2021, there would be that drop. And sure enough, uh, when I saw Trump propose that into Bill, I was like, holy crap, Steve Bassett was right. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we're all we're right what there. You, it's what May. What do you get of the Sumerian tablets and everything where they're talking about, like, the Anunnaki coming here to basically uh, because they needed slaves to mine for gold because of their atmosphere. See, I don't buy the Anunnaki stuff, and I'm going to shock mm-hmm. you there. And okay. this is this is why I don't. Um, you ever heard of uh, Michael uh, Heiser? No. Okay, uh, I interviewed Michael Heiser. Fascinating gentleman. He's a Hebrew scholar. Uh, he uh, has actual credentials. Okay, he can prove to you that he studied Hebrew language. He's, you know, uh, a credentially uh, established person in academics, and he openly challenged for about ten years Zachariah Sitchin to a debate. Wow. He went on Art Bell's show, Coast to Coast AM at the time, uh, right. with Art Bell and uh, George Norrie and a bunch of other people, and. Uh, he, for years, was challenging Sitchin. Sitchin would not at all talk to him. He would not debate him. And the reason why is because Michael Heiser went on record and did an entire thing called Sitchin is Wrong, and he proved everything. Uh, beyond, I mean, when you look at the the stuff he put out there, is without you know any doubt that what Sitchin was doing was completely hoaxing. Uh, Sitchin has no credentials as a uh, Hebrew scholar. He literally was uh, changing the translation of known Hebrew words and language that had been around for hundreds and hundreds of years to fit his narrative. So mm-hmm. we have a guy who's not an actual Hebrew scholar, has no scholarship, no records, no nothing that says that this guy actually went to college to learn Hebrew language or anything. But somehow this little old guy knows exactly what's coming in from the skies from a planet that's uh, circling every 3,600 years, which in itself makes no sense. Uh, you know, even with gold, which is uh, not going to help you uh, in your atmosphere in any way, gold is a, a good um, conductor for electricity. We know that. Right. It's a it's a superconductor. Um, but it, it cannot harness the power of a sun, for example, and use it to power an entire planet. It's just, I mean, I, I can't fathom my mind around that. That would be some technology that would be so exotic, it would literally be alien. But let's just say there's a planet circling every, every 3,600 years mm-hmm. around our star system. Where is it going and doing the circle with? That means there has to be a, it has to be something that's doing a circle around, right? So for gravity to work properly, that means it would have to have a twin binary star system. 
So right. it, it would have to circle that star system, go around that, and then come back around and circle us. That's the elliptical orbit. We've been looking for that binary sister star to our own star for how long now? For at least two decades? Can't find it. We find galaxies far away, but we can't find this one star system that's a, our star binary system, which is the only way that this should be even, th- you know, remotely possible. But then you're looking at about thousands of years where this planet is nowhere near its star system, one way or the other, in the middle. How is it sustaining life? Right. You know, that makes no sense to me. And if they're coming here and genetically changing or altering life, uh, that would have been only 5,000 years ago. That doesn't account for the records of bones of human beings that have been found that are 100,000 years old or a lot older than that, 30,000 years old, 40,000 years old. I mean, doesn't account for those bones. And these are humanoid, you know, not Neanderthal. We're talking about uh, Homo erectus. So none of that accounts for any of that. So, I mean, there's a lot of sits and stuff that has, like, let's just say for uh, for people that are on TV and uh, in movie uh, in Hollywood, a lot of plot holes in Sitchin's work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, I mean, how, how do you feel about Sitchin on, on your take? I, I'm not really into him, to be honest. I was just, uh, I know he's done a lot of work on that, but um, I don't know. I'm always weary about people that think they have all the answers. Right. Same here. Same here. Uh, that's why I like to pick and choose and see, you know, well, because look, here's the thing. We're all human beings, right? Uh-huh. And none of us were actually there when they wrote this stuff, the Bible and all these other works. We, we weren't around. We weren't proofreading it. So we don't know exactly what the motive really was uh, for people that were writing this stuff. And when you get the Bible, you also talk about the King James Version and all the rewriting that's happened over the years. I mean, either God has a case of George Lucas and he changes his mind a lot on his product, or it's all just a bunch of nonsense. Right. You know, that's, that's my take on it. So but, I guess you know, if you're not a big fan of uh, David Wilcock, I'm assuming you're not a big fan of Corey Good either. No. I mean, I, I've actually spoken to Corey. Uh, I've had him on the show. And he's, he's not a bad guy. I mean, I, I get along with a lot of folks uh, within, you know, the, the their fields, and I respect what they work on. Uh, even George Otukulus, for example, and I'm not a fan of the ancient astronaut theory, the way he describes it. But, uh, you know, I'm a fan of his work. I think he's a very talented individual. And Corey Good uh, does put some stuff out there that is interesting. But a lot of this stuff, again, is if it's David Wilcox influence, if it's David Icke influence, you know, I tend to kind of like, you know, uh, just overlook a lot of their their stuff, uh, you know, like Billy Meyer, you know, these folks are, are, are just highly su- suspicious to me. Uh, Zachariah Sitchin, uh, you know, these, these folks are just uh, suspect to people that just want to make a buck. You know? Right. That's just my take, though, my personal opinion. Okay. I find that interesting. Not what you expected, I'm sure, right? <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> I, I mean, I... Though. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm a rarity in that sense because a lot of folks that, that are into like these type of shows are like all oh, in on all these conspiracies, and I'm not a like a, a skeptic, skeptic, but I'm a realist. You know what I mean? 
And right. actually, a good friend of mine, uh, Mike Rogers, who I, I don't know if you're familiar with, he was uh, part of the Travis Walton uh, logging team uh, from okay. Fire in the Sky. Uh, I've you know interviewed uh, Travis, Mike, uh, Steve, who was one of the crew members, uh, Steve Pierce, uh, and I've had them on the show numerous times. And uh, I believe that you know they were abducted. I do believe in uh, the abduction scenario does happen. I do think there, there there is contact being made by individuals on this planet. Now, you know, why exactly is some of this stuff happening? Depends on the situation. I don't think Travis, for example, was taken uh, because they planned an abduction. I just think he kind of like walked into it. You know, like, I mean, he got out of the truck. He wasn't supposed to. He walked into some and like, so, you know, they're like, oops, he got, you know, laser blasted by some radiation around the ship. And uh, he was taken to be fixed. That's my take. And I told Travis that years ago, about a decade ago, when I first had him on the show. I was like, Travis, what have they fixed you? And he's like, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, it, you know, it kind of sounds to me like you were knocked out, maybe killed. And maybe they took you on board to fix whatever they broke. And even he was like, yeah, you know, I've kicked that idea around. And it makes sense because I've been in really good health ever since. And I'm like... You know, I mean, this man logged for years, even after the event in 75. So, I mean, there, there's always that. I don't think every, you know, scenario is the same uh, with uh, when it comes to abductions. Like the Betty and Barney Hill story, I think, has its own uh, uh, reason for it happening. And I think that happened also. I think there's a lot of stuff that's happened uh, over the years which uh, are contact-related and I think uh, Roswell happened, but I don't think it happened the way the narrative from uh, the conspiracy aspect. Uh, I don't think that's what exactly. I don't think it was aliens that crashed at Roswell. I think it was some of our own stuff. I think it was our own. Uh, I think we were test flying, uh, you know, some objects that we created. And uh, as when you test flying anything, you know, accidents happen. Well, and, it's possible, but then you have to explain why we, we came into all this kind of crazy technology after Roswell. Oh, uh, actually, that came before Roswell. And I'll, I'll tell you exactly how that happened. Uh, and when you hear it, you'll be like, oh, that makes sense. Uh, what happened uh, in the, the span of 10 years there? We had World War II ending, right, uh, which was the downfall of the Nazi regime. We inherited all their scientists, Werner von Braun, all these cats that you know, developed NASA, and a lot of the black budget projects, which we have now, still going on. And we know Werner van Braun for sure is the father of rocket science uh, here in this country. And he was the person that got NASA to the moon. We know that as fact. There's no debate in that. Now, mm -hmm. Werner van Braun was a Nazi German scientist, the head of the rocketry department. And what happened right as long, you know, around that time period that uh, the Nazi Germany was taken down, Tesla died. Now, Nikola Tesla was working on exotic technologies, which included uh, free electricity that traveled right through the air, which we're using now, by the way. Uh, you know, we could power batteries without having to plug it in now. That's part of Tesla, Tesla technologies. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of stuff that he was working on, which uh, he was an inventor way ahead of his time. Didn't have the technology to actually make a lot of this stuff happen, but he wrote a lot of stuff down, including he had uh, exotic aircraft that looked like UFOs with his, uh, you know, his uh, workings or, or schematics of stuff he was working on. 
And the uh, the story goes that uh, a person by the name of John Trump, okay, mm-hmm. uh, this is where it gets kind of funny, Micah. John Trump went and uh, was sent in by the government to recover documents from Nikola Tesla. And he read and took all these documents, including the aircraft that Nikola Tesla was developing. And that became part of the government records, which was given over to Werner von Braun, who was again heading the rocketry department in the, in the early into mid-1940s, starting of the development. And what I think happened was they were they literally were mixing what they found from Tesla with what the Nazis were working on, which uh, was the, the Nazi Bell and a couple other projects, which were not done. Had they finished some of these things, they would have won the war. But the fact that we were able to beat them, you know, quote-unquote, and inherit their scientists, quote-unquote, mm-hmm. I think is the reason why Nazi Germany eventually died out. Or it's amazing how it. many people out there just don't understand that not, that NASA was basically built by Nazis. Yeah, they don't know this this aspect of the reality. Uh, but I think what crashed at Roswell was a mixture of the technologies that, that the Nazis and Tesla was working on. By the way, John T. Trump, John Trump, is Donald Trump's uncle. And Donald Trump was the president who gave us the Space Force, right? Mm-hmm. And the ironic thing is, uh, since he became president, we've had the Pentagon open up books. Now we're going to have more and more stuff uh, coming out in the next few months because of Donald Trump's involvement in releasing these documents. The left went crazy apeshit over the last four years to remove him from the presidency. And it's nothing to do with him being a racist or you know, the narrative they're pushing. I honestly believe is because he was fit to become the disclosure president in the next four years, and they want to keep that secret buried or let it be leaked out by the party of the Democratic Party because this gives them ultimate power. And not only that, it shows the public that, look, we're giving you the truth, even though it might be filled with a bunch of lies because I don't think they're going to give us real disclosure, you know? What is your thought on um, aliens using their technology to stop nuclear blasts on Earth? Oh, I think it's happened. Uh, well, I don't think it's happening exactly a lot of times, but I think they've interfered. And I do think that uh, the Pentagon coming forward and uh, showing some footage of some aircrafts uh, over nuclear bases and saying, yeah, they're, they've actually done this and they've even powered down some nuclear bases, that's scary. Because they could do that from remotely up there somewhere. If that's actually happening, we stand no chance that there's a war. Which this is no, why I don't think they're, not, they're, they're no yeah. one's attacking anybody right now. So maybe they're just benevolence that just understand right. understand that level of science with nuclear fission and everything, splitting the atom, what have you, and they they know how to disarm it. Exactly. That's exactly where I was going. That they know exactly, you know, what the cause and effect is. And casualty, my friend, like in the Matrix, is very important. And if we're living in a Matrix and they understand that we can blow ourselves to smithereens, they might be like, you know what, humans, uh, you got to stop this. Uh, you got to like get you uh, denuclearized, which I think is important. I think the entire planet should have, you know, no nuclear weapons. 
there's people out there, there's, there's conspiracies out there that people don't believe that nuclear weapons exist. You yeah, want well, some people also believe the Earth is flat, though, Mike. And, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> what are you going to do about those people? You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> it's only so yeah. much wisdom you can spread before you guys, you just got to start, like, knocking on people's heads and be like, hello, McFly, anybody mm-hmm. there? Uh, yeah, there's a lot of, uh, people out there who, who say stupid things. Uh, like, they, there's stupid people who don't believe the Holocaust happened, but we know that happened. Alright. You know? So, uh, you know, you, you gotta take, uh, that with a grain of salt. And that's why I, I kinda like, like to skim through what the BS is now. Uh, I mean, what do you, what's your take on, uh, the possibility that we're gonna get disclosure? Do you think that we're gonna get full disclosure, half disclosure, maybe disclosure? And I you think, think that there's so much, there's so much disinformation out there that I don't even think we'd recognize real disclosure if we saw it for what it is. Cause it's to the point where when the government releases something, no one believes it anymore. That's true. I mean, does anybody believe the government these days? At all? Yeah. So if they yeah. were to release something true, people would, like, tear it apart. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true. I mean, look how uh, the just uh, the last couple of elections, people don't believe the, the election process. Can you believe uh, that the Pentagon's going to tell you all the truth about alien life? You know, right. and it, even if, like, a UFO came down... And landed somewhere, and beings came out, and we're watching it on TV. How do you even know that's real? Exactly. Now here's the kicker: What if a UFO comes down, Micah, and uh, they they land on the White House lawn, like the whole traditional story, right? Oh, they're going to land on the White House lawn. The ship's going to open up, and the aliens are going to come out and greet us. And it's a huge, giant ship, and then all of a sudden we see these huge, giant-looking Native Americans coming down the ship, and and the first words are like, "How? Well, why? Why do, do we you assume? Do? <laughs> why, why do we assume, for instance, that other entities in the universe don't look like us? You know, why wouldn't they?" No, I do think that, yeah. Assume, why would you automatically assume that, that they don't? Yeah, no, no. I actually wanted to think that they might look like us, but if they're giant-looking Native Americans, spend the game's over. Because, you know, he'll be like, oh, we want our land back, uh, and we're going to take it by force. No, but, uh, you know, the, that, that was a, a joke. Uh, no, but, no, I, I'm actually uh, on board with that because panspermia, I believe in that. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, I believe that that's how the the cosmos is seeded with life, and it all comes from the one uh, source out there. It's very uh, possible that uh, life, intelligent life at least, is going to look very similar, and that's why I do think there was living beings, humanoid beings on this planet before, uh, you know, the the whole uh, Bible Adam and Eve uh, manipulation of the human genome uh, started. Or the the genetic uh, experiment that is the 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 Homo erectus of today. If you look at if you were to look at if you were to look at the human DNA <clears throat> under uh, an electron microscope, and you were to look at chromosome two, mm-hmm. chromosome two is thirty five percent larger than the other ones, and uh, in the middle, you know how they're like they're shaped like shoehorns. Yep. Or two shoehorns touching. 
Mm-hmm. Chromosome two in the middle is fused together, like somebody had been tinkering with it. Right. Which again, that's uh, it, it. Really, does look like there's been some kind of like a hybridization program or some kind of a genetic experiment happening, because that does. It, I mean, that's in our DNA, but we have a trait in our DNA which no other animal has on this planet, uh, which is in itself kind of weird. Plus, and this goes back to my uh, Mars thing, uh, the human sleep cycle actually is better suited for Mars than Earth. Mm-hmm. You know, we have here the 24-hour, uh, you know, clock uh, as part of the Earth, you know, 24 hours a day. Mars is slightly different. Our human sleep cycle fits Mars, not Earth, genetically. Mm-hmm. And that's a, a little something that we discovered during the Human Genome Project uh, that, you know, was now how many, what, two decades ago? Where they discovered uh, mm-hmm. the, the human genome and the, the uncovered the whole thing. Uh, how much uh, coding do you think is actually in there, you know, based you know on your work uh, the, on the Bible codes? Do you think uh, that we're going to discover a whole lot of codes within the human DNA? Um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's no there's no doubt that there wouldn't be, to be honest with you. Um, <clears throat> you could fit the entire world's knowledge in like a couple hundred codons of DNA if you were to condense everything. There's two things out there that are just massive data storages, and one of them is crystals, and the other one is human DNA. You could you could literally encode yep. everything into DNA carry it and it be extracted later and water molecules also we're finding uh, it's actually very good for uh for but not storage data and, and this is funny because maybe i don't know joe Schum, uh schuster and uh jerry siegel were like way ahead of their time but when they wrote superman and the whole mythology of superman came out if you know the yeah, you know the the history of the cave of the crystals. That's where the whole history of Krypton was kept on crystals. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what Edgar Casey said. Edgar Casey said that yeah. uh, he said that Atlantis was destroyed because they overcharged the crystals. And uh, what do you think Atlantis was? <clears throat> I'm going to assume Mars. What do you I think? I think Atlantis. I think Atlantis was Antarctica, to be honest with you, because if you look at things like the Peary Reese map, right, which is, um, if you were to look up the Peary Reese map on Google, you'll see it was a map made up of 30 different maps. In fact, some of the maps that they were used to make the Peary Reese map, uh-huh. uh, Columbus actually used to find America. Or not really to find America, but to guide him to America. They already knew it was here. He got his blessing right. from the Pope to go take it over and everything. Um, but the Pierre Reese map came out in 1519 and it was just an amalgamation of a bunch of different maps right. and it shows that it shows Antarctica. It shows the coastline of Antarctica and it shows it not being under snow. Mm. It shows it being land. Do you think that's before the, the pole shifted or the, because I know that we, we were coming out of a mini ice age, uh, which lasted uh, several hundred years and it was very, very small. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you, I mean, do you think that's part of what happened? That whatever happened caused the ice age uh, to it's cover possible. Antarctica. 
It, it is. It's possible. I mean, it is. Yeah. I mean, that's a good theory. I mean, there's a lot of caves and stuff to go into Antarctica. In fact, uh, I was watching recently. I don't know. I don't know what your take is on this, but I was watching um, Godzilla versus Kong a couple of days ago. And that, yeah. by the way, it's a really good movie. I was surprised because the, the last few Godzilla movies have been awful. Uh, but this was actually pretty good, and the visuals on it was amazing. But what's cool, though, is they dealt with the whole hollow Earth, inner Earth uh, theory. And okay. that's interesting in itself because, you know, the entrances were through Antarctica, part of the entrances. And we've seen a lot of open, you know, areas and caves that lead into, like, somewhere in Antarctica. I was looking at Google Maps earlier. Actually, funny enough, we bring this up earlier yesterday uh where i was looking up a video and they showed uh not only an opening in antarctica but what looked like a parked spaceship on google oh, maps wow. yeah really? right near antarctica and the, the thing is the way the ship looks like it's parked it, it looks like a crater with a little ship on top you can see like a shadow and everything and it looks very similar to stuff that i've seen on the moon okay mm-hmm. and some of the craters and that in itself, you know, is a head scratcher. Why would that be on Google Maps of all places that, that well, anybody can about, see it? What do you think about um, when they say that, like, a mile down in Antarctica into the snow is basically where the aliens are, and the reason no one can go there is because, you know, um, like, we're working with them. They secretly rule. I don't know. There's just, like, all these theories out there, man. It's hard to keep up sometimes. <laughs> well, yeah. Remember the the part of the theory is also that we made a deal with uh, with Hitler and the Germans, and uh, they all took off from uh, the war, and that's how the war really ended. And they all went to Antarctica with the aliens, and they've been in there secretly working on some conspiratorial takeover of the planet, which doesn't yeah. sound that that far fetched with uh, with the way society is today, the way things are. <laughs> you know, cause, right. Well. Yeah, we're all kind of going a little crazy here with all communist, socialist, Marxist, uh, fascist, uh, new stuff on a constant basis, which is yeah. just sad and depressing, isn't it? I think so, yeah. It's quite, uh, it's unbelievable the way that, like, America's turning right now. You know, I, I would I would assume that uh, we would have learned our lesson, but here we have uh, a society that has been tearing down statues and trying to get rid of history, and you know, like let it all burn. Even in Star Wars, man, the last uh, the sequels were all about you know undoing the past and just getting rid of it. You know, forget the past. That's how you uh, become a slave again because you don't you know learn from your history. And right. unfortunately, they're trying to do that in this country, and they're trying to like erase our history. So, what, they could do it all over again and not have future generations be able to look back and be warned, hey, don't do this and this because this is bad. You know, I right. think that's people part of it. People are just going to forget. Yeah, yeah, because, no, and uh, people say, like, oh, how can they forget? Human beings have a very short attention span. It takes two generations to forget everything easily. I yep. mean, my nephew's... Uh, for example, have no concept of, you know, certain things like the VCR. The first right. time they saw a VCR, they were like, what is this ancient technology? <laughs> you know, and I'm like, Are you kidding me? I spent decades with the VCR. That was my best friend in the 80s and 90s. <laughs> no clue. They don't even know what a CD is, these kids nowadays, you know, because they have all streaming stuff. Like, 
it, it takes yeah. two generations to completely remove things from the public eye, and you, you know you would have no idea, especially with history, because not everybody reads history. Not everybody's a history buff. Yeah. Well, history is always written by the winners, so you never really know anyway. Yeah. Now, in your books, I do like the fact that you put, like I said, fact and fiction in there. Um, you know, how much of history itself like, do you plan to put in more uh, in the fifth book coming out? There's plenty of there's plenty of conspiracies throughout the whole thing yeah. that are basically talked about things that are real, things that you can look up, things that aren't talked about really. Now, do you deal with the Illuminati in there at all? Yeah. In all of the books, actually. Yeah. Now, what's your take on the Illuminati for the audience who are not aware? I haven't read the books yet. Um, well, I kind the of like, illuminated ones, as they say in my country. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I, they kind of have different names in my books. Um, different, like, collections of people, like elite, uh, different elite powerful groups that end up having to be taken down. Um, that's the purpose of the books, basically. Uh, it's yep. just to talk about it. It mirrors real life. You know, uh, George Bush had a really cool name. You might want to put this in your fifth book. He called them the Thousand Points of Lights. Did he really? Yeah. You know, you, know, you weren't aware of that? <laughs> no. Oh, yeah. George this Bush Sr. Younger Bush? No, sorry. older Bush. Bush Sr., yeah. Yeah, he's, and, and I'm going to use my best uh, Bush impression here. Uh, he said, it wouldn't be prudent to talk about things that don't matter, but you have the thousand points of lights that are overlooking. Oh, wow. That's a very bad impression, I know. But uh, <laughs> the gist of that whole thing is that the thousand points of lights are the illuminated ones, the Illuminati, uh, which right. are in the thousands all over the planet, uh, and these are the you know the, the secret societies, the elitist, uh, the folks supposedly within the power, beneath the veils veil here on Earth. Uh, right. Which uh, I mean, how much of, of that do you think is uh, legit? Because I think a lot of that has to do with even the race of uh, aliens I was talking about earlier. I think all that comes from there. I mean, you want to talk about uh, numbers in the Bible and numbers in mythology that, that don't add up and how things are mistranslated. The Vikings, for example. People think, oh, the Vikings, yeah, a bunch of big dudes and weird outfits. That actually stood for the uh, the four kings. Or, I'm sorry, the, the six kings. Uh, that's what the Vikings stood for, the six kings. Uh, which had, you know, that comes from the tribe of Dan and other, you know, mythology that has something to do with just a bunch of dudes called Vikings, you know? So, there's a lot of stuff like that. I mean, uh, do you, do you plan to incorporate them or is that already in the other books? No, that, that's, that, that particular thing is not in the other books, but I mean, you should, I would, I would tell you to finish reading the first book and, uh, because it's it's a fun series to read, you know it's uh, it's a fiction series, but there's right. the truth is just buried all over the place. It basically, you'll read a couple pages and you'll stop and have to Google something and be like, "Oh, that's real," because <sighs> you won't be able to believe it's real. And then eventually, after you Google like seven or eight things, you just start to assume that the books are right, which they are. Now, tell the audience a little bit about, like, do we have a, an antagonist in the book? Is there, like, a, a, a person that 
is the eyes of the reader kind of like, you know, storyline. Well, the main that... character's name is Graham, and he's a functioning alcoholic. Harvard Sounds like med my student. kind of guy, okay. Harvard med student. And uh, he doesn't believe in conspiracies, but his best friend does. And uh, yep, he just basically, you know, he has a personal tragedy, and it basically leads him down a rabbit hole really deep, really high up. As he finds out what happened to his uh, brother, um, who was either killed or 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 committed suicide, they're they're not being clear about that, and he has to figure this stuff out. And he realizes that his friend, who is into conspiracies, is right. And you see a total transformation in him and how he starts to believe in conspiracies and and all this kind of stuff. And you see a complete change in his life. One of the characters in the book, Blur is basically a stand-in for Alex Jones. Nice. It, now, he's, he's going to have uh, the whole Alex Jones, like, ah, I'm crazy, yeah, yeah, I'm he, crazy personality, you could right? Really, <laughs> you, could read, uh, you could read his portion as Alex Jones' voice. Gotcha, that's cool. Now, you know, we spoke a little bit off uh, the air here, and, you know, I I think it's a brilliant idea if this goes and it gets scripted into, like, a miniseries. Uh, yeah. into for for TV or streaming or maybe even a movie series. Uh, how far into that thinking are you? Because I mean, it really is a cool story, and all you know, all uh, fact you. stuff aside. I, um, well, we're pitching to some TV heads. We're just waiting to hear. Um, cool. But it sounds it looks positive so far. So we're just taking it step by step. That's awesome, man. I, I hope, uh, you know, nothing for the best on that front because I know that's a, a heck of an important project uh, to be able to get off the ground. And, uh, again, you know, it, it, I think the, the book story and, like, you know, the, the story behind uh, the, the protagonist and, uh, and uh, the way it carries out and you throw in the fact stuff in there, that would make for a hell of a miniseries. I really love the idea of putting something like that, like on Netflix or... Uh, mm-hmm. One of these uh, streaming services and do like a ten part series, several seasons in, and really flesh out the story because there's a lot of really neat uh, concepts you can really throw in there. And I mm-hmm. love the fact that you could go back and then have the the audience research it, you know, Duck Duck Go or Google or whatever the heck you want to use, and find out for yourself how much of this stuff is accurate and truthful. And uh, exactly. I'm sure. You're gonna be shocked at how much of, of it it is uh, very accurate, man. I love the, uh, the 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 series here. Now again, the the fifth book, you're you're done writing it, or is it almost written? Is it almost no, done? When is it gonna drop? Okay. Book five is coming out <clears throat> June fifteenth. Cool. Book six is coming out September fifteenth. And are you stopping at six, or will you continue forward from there? Do you know? I, I don't know yet. I'm going to probably continue, but I, I, I haven't written anything yet. Gotcha, gotcha. Now, I know the, the last two are The Hidden Archives and The Final Type, right? That's yes. the name of the two, the two books. So we have Beneath the Veil, The, the Sacred Stones, The Secret Weapon, uh, Pangea's Pandemic, which we didn't get to, but I wanted to touch on that a little bit. Uh, the Hidden Archives, and The Final Type. Uh, now, Pangea's Pandemic, uh, tell us a little bit about that book. That has nothing to do with something similar that we're facing down here now, right? It is, actually. Okay, that's what I wanted to touch on. It. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's basically 
long story short, there's something wrong inside. I wrote this in 2017. Okay. Um, there's something. There's something in the global flu vaccine that causes people to take their life after a couple of days of incubation. So basically, they have to figure out what happened before the world population is cut down. Mm. That's an interesting take. If uh, I start seeing people commit suicide on a rapid, massive scale, I'm going to be like, uh, somebody call Micah, I think he's a prophet. Uh, <laughs> you, you know, that's scary to think, but I mean, do you think with the uh, vaccines that are rolling out now, do you think that's a possibility? Do you think we've gone that far? Or are we that demented? Do you think they'll do that to society? I Honestly, I thought it was a long shot when I wrote it. Now I don't know. <laughs> it's scary, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's uh do we do you wish it was like the nineties again where we could like all sit back, relax, just have a bunch of conspiracy stuff, watch Saved by the Bell and everything was good, you know, like uh, the times weren't as rough as it is now, you know? Hey, that would be the greatest. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Listen, uh, I know that you have to get going here in a few now. I want to give you a, a chance to, uh, again, plug uh, the uh, place where people can get the book. Obviously, Amazon is there. Uh, do you have a website that we can give out to the audience so they can uh, check out the work do. that you're doing? It's, it's, it's micadank.com. But uh, Very simple. If, you're interested, okay. if you're interested, I'm on Twitter and Facebook at micadank. Twitter is at realmrdank. And uh, if you reach out to me, I'll send you some of my works that I that I'm working on uh, that have to do with these codes and things that you have to decode. Um, I know we didn't really get too deep into it today, but um, I could send you some information about that. I also send sell signed copies of the books cool. uh, in case you don't want to use Amazon, which a lot of people in like this kind of conspiracy area really don't. A lot of people aren't really big fans of Amazon. I've been finding out, so I started yeah. selling autographed copies. So if you reach out to me, I uh, I could do that for you. That is awesome. I'm going to uh, privately reach out to you on that. And hopefully okay. you send me some stuff autographed, man, because that will be really cool. I'm a collector. And, uh, no, you're absolutely right, man. Amazon uh, is getting a lot of uh, pushback because of, uh, you know, all the shenanigans going on over there. Uh, and let's be honest, they've put a lot of businesses out of business over the last decade. Yeah. yeah so, uh, you know, you, you know, that, uh, that old speech about the machine and how, it, you know, yeah. it went, when it stopped, but that, you know, when it's stopping society from working properly because the machine's not working at all, Amazon has made it so the machine died in this country and, uh, they're the ones reaping all the rewards. Mm-hmm. And it's sad, man. There's so many industries that have gone out the, the wayside because of that. But, uh, Micah, man, thank you so much uh, for uh, spending your time here with us. Uh, we're almost at the end of the hour here. I know you got to get going. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, MicahDank.com, right? That's right. Perfect. And uh, I know the uh, Facebook, uh, in case anybody wants to contact you there, uh, you have that available also for the audience? Because I know a lot yes, of folks do Facebooking. Um, it's Micah Dank. You can find me on, on Facebook or Twitter. Awesome. Yeah, and remember, Twitter, guys, is at RealMrDank. <laughs> Don't forget that. Michael, we're going to have you back on soon, man. I'm going to get through uh, all these books, I promise you, and uh, have you back on, and 
we'll get more in depth into the storylines because I love the story outline that you know that we that I've read so far. And mm-hmm. I can tell you, I went through, I skimmed through a, a little bit on uh, Amazon, the evil Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> but I haven't uh, gotten the hard copy yet, which I love doing and uh, going through. Yeah, so reach, out, reach out to me. You have my contact information. We'll work something out. Definitely. I, I'm one of the old school guys. I like actually having a book in my hand and going through it. You know, I'm like one of those old mm-hmm. school type of dudes. Uh, I'm not into the whole Kindle reading mm-hmm. so much, but uh, we'll definitely bring you back on. And you've been awesome to have on the show. You, sir, do me one small favor, though. Stay COVID-free, stay healthy, and be uh, on the lookout because I want to have you back on here real soon. Will do. Thanks, man. You're awesome. Thank you so much. And, uh, again, give my best to uh, Michelle, the uh, person who put put all this together. She's awesome. Absolutely. Take care. Have a good night, sir. Take care. Bye. All right, folks. That right there is... Mr. Micah T. Dank, and uh, man, what a great interview with Micah. Uh, love having him on the show, and uh, you know, he's somebody that I've actually, like I said, I've looked forward to having him on here uh, several times, and uh, haven't been able to do that. Michelle Freed put it together. Thank you so much. Uh, shout out to her again, once again. Uh, check out his work, Micah Dank. Uh, really cool books. Uh, again, they, he mixes fact and fiction with the narrative. And uh, it's very, very interesting stuff. I love, uh, you know, just picking his mind on what he actually believes in with these subjects. Because while he's writing fictional books, you can tell that his mind is more on the factual possibilities of what's happening. With that said, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. And I'm going to come back here in a few minutes with more news. Got a couple of things I wanted to get to also, which I didn't get to in the first hour. So stick around. This is the Angel Espino Show, Inside the Jackal's Head. You know the drill. I'll be back in two, maybe three. I volunteer with United Way, reading to children to help prepare them for a better academic future. I don't just wear the shirt, I live it. Give, advocate, volunteer, live united. Go to liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application, Mobile Talk Radio. Imagine having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. You'll be surprised how easy it is to use. So I think what's going on here is that Obama is banking on unemployment falling. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Talk Stream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. Do you value yourself, your family, your friends? Want to know more about how to survive, thrive, and stay alive in these dynamic times? Listen to Around the Campfire with Kate, Thursday nights and Sunday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, 
7 p.m. Central, only on PSN TV. That's Around the Campfire with Kate. News that nobody in the MSM wants to report. Remember, train hard, train smart to survive, thrive, and stay alive. Here's a riddle for you. What do the California Gold Rush of the 1850s, secret societies, coded messages, mysterious 19th century flying machines, and an early 20th century outside artist named Charles A.A. Delshaw all have in common? The Secrets of Delshaw by Dennis Crenshaw and Pete Navarro. Go to www.secretsofdelshaw.com to learn more. PSN Radio. Realism Radio for the masses. Welcome back to the Angel Espino Show, and uh, man, uh, what a great uh, interview there with Micah Dank on the uh, Inside the Jackal's Head portion, and a uh, fun guy. Again, check out his books, Into the Rabbit Hole series, Beneath the Veil, The Sacred Stones, The Secret Weapon, Pangea's Pandemic, The Hidden Archives, and The Final Type. Now, for the last remaining minutes of this hour, I wanted to talk about a nincompoop of a person by the name of Sarah Silverman. Now, I know you, some of you folks uh, know who Sarah Silverman is. Uh, those who don't know, well, you might count your blessings on that. It might not be a bad thing that you don't know who this idiot is, but uh, she is uh, somebody who dated Jimmy Kimmel, so you know that she's suspect for stupidity as it is now. Uh, Sarah Silverman is going at uh, at, tra- at transgender Caitlyn Jenner. Okay, she is accusing Caitlyn Jenner. Now, if you don't know Caitlyn Jenner is, uh, she used to be Bruce Jenner, the Olympic gold medalist, who became Caitlyn Jenner, the woman. And uh, well, Sarah Silverman is accusing Caitlyn Jenner of being transphobic and having. Let me get over that. And having transphobia for opposing trans girls playing girls' sports. Let me read that again. Sarah Silverman accuses Caitlyn Jenner of transphobia for opposing trans girls playing in girls' sports. This is like how ridiculous the left is, okay? Uh, this is like, uh, let's say, a a black person um, saying, uh, well, all Chinese people need to do this. And if you don't do this, then you're not Chinese. 
Or a white guy saying, if you don't vote for me, you're not black. Right, Joe Biden? Or a white guy going around saying the N-word. Uh, this is just stupid. Sarah Silverman, shut up. Caitlyn Jenner is actually a transgender person. Okay? If anybody has kind of a, a, a say in this uh, whole transgender thing, would be Caitlyn Jenner who chopped off her wee-wee and became a woman. Now, Sarah Silverman went after the California gubernatorial candidate, Caitlyn Jenner, over her stance on trans girls participating in girls' sports. Jenner, a former Olympic athlete who famously came out as tranny or transgender in 2015, uh, waded into a controversial issue that has sparked Republican-backed legislation in states across the country. By the way, Caitlyn Jenner is a Republican. This is a question of fairness. And I'm quoting, That's why I oppose biological boys who are trans competing in girls' sports in school, Jenner told uh, TMZ. It's just isn't fair. And we have to protect girls' sports in our schools. Now, by God... Who would have known that Caitlyn Jenner might be the smartest politician in California? Okay? That is 100% correct. But, of course, Sarah Silverman wants to fit the, the leftist ideology or ideology or idiocracy whatever you want to call it. Uh, Look, this is a question of fairness. Even if a boy has been taking hormones since they're young, okay, to uh, obscure puberty and not have his wee-wee grow or or testy hairs come out or whatever, uh, so they can keep looking like a girl, Um, even if that's the case, Chromosomes are still over boys. You cannot overcome the bone and size factor on a lot of these cases. They're still going to be genetically male, meaning that even a trans boy that becomes a girl and starts the process of taking the medication, you know, this is before surgery, they're still 20 to 30% stronger than girls in their same weight class. Okay? And Sarah Silverman is so stupid that she even brings up the weight class issue without getting into, like, the logistics of, listen, even if you put a boy and a girl in the same weight class, the genetic boy is 20 to 30% stronger than the girl. So even if they weigh the same, are the same height, and he's on hormone blockers, he will still be able to rip her head off, Sarah Silverman. This is science. I know the the left only likes science that fits their narrative, but that's a fact. Caitlyn Jenner knows this because Caitlyn Jenner has gone through the surgery. Caitlyn Jenner has taken the hormone blockers. Caitlyn Jenner paid for the Nancy Pelosi look over. I don't she looks like Nancy Pelosi to me, I don't know. But anyway, I'm gonna continue the article here. It says 
That appeared to have uh, struck a nerve with the liberal comedian Sarah Silverman who offered her reaction on her podcast. And she said, Caitlin, you're a woman, right? Silverman uh, exclaimed on Thursday, uh, a trans girl is a girl. She should have the same rights as cis girls. By the way, cis girls and cis uh, boys is what they're calling straight people now. Cis, C-I-S. Um, it says here, uh, what you think a trans girl is too strong? What about all girls as opposed to short girls? Or tall girls as opposed to short girls? What about boys in high school who are teeny tiny and their teammates have already hit puberty and are shaving? Why don't you just have co-ed sports divided by eight and by weight and height, you know? This is so dumb, she said. They're legislating this shite without one single example of how it plays out. First of all, there's dozens of examples, even in MMA. Joe Rogan has talked about this. So Sarah Silverman has no idea what she's talking about. There's literally literally like dozens and dozens of examples of world records being broken by dudes who become women, transgender, and they join uh, Olympic events, uh, they join, uh, you know, things around the world uh, when it comes to sports, and they start breaking all these records. In high schools, uh, records are being broken by uh, these people. This is a problem, Sarah Silverman, and you're not a scientist or a doctor or anybody in place to even talk about this. This is what, you know, I don't get about uh, comedians or celebrities who have no clue what they're talking about, but they want to put themselves out there and start talking all this nonsense like they have any idea of what they're spewing. And, of course, Sarah Silverman has her platform. She has people that follow her podcast and are like, yeah, man, what she's saying is right. But what she's saying is actually very wrong and not scientifically accurate. And it's dangerous for anybody like Sarah Silverman, to put this kind of stupidity and nonsense out there and not be called out for it. Now, Silverman continued, and I'm quoting here, this is not worrying about girls' sports. You believe me. There are better ways to worry about girls' sports. This is not worrying. This is not concern for girls' sports. It's transphobia. Full stop. Sarah Silverman, last I checked, you weren't turning yourself into a, a man. Caitlyn Jenner used to be Bruce Jenner. So Caitlyn Jenner, I don't think is being transphobic. I think Caitlyn Jenner is being realistic. And that's something the uh, the left has a, an issue with. They, they just don't deal in reality. And this is why I left the party. Uh, she even, uh, I think, uh, said that um, she said, the actor said, it's such a bummer for a prominent trans woman like Jenner. Uh, it's such a T, and I'm assuming that you know, they didn't put the word here, but I'm assuming she said tard for retard. Uh, but she said here, you know, it's like being Jewish, right? Now, and having uh, the most recognizable Jewish names be Weinstein and Epstein, Silverman said, referring to the convicted sexual predators Harvey Weinstein and Jeffrey Epstein. This makes no sense, by the way. Jenner, a lifelong Republican, announced uh, her bid for uh, the governor's seat 
uh, last month as millions of Californians pushed uh, to remove uh, Democratic Governor Gavin Newsom from the office, triggering a recall election, yada, yada, yada. Uh, but again, Sarah Silverman, going back to her, uh, her she tries to make this uh, a reference uh, saying this is similar to having a Jewish last name like Weinstein and Epstein. No, you idiot. This is nothing like that. This is like uh, somebody named Castro. Do you think everybody named Castro is evil? No, uh, names are just names, right? Labels are just labels. Science is science, Sarah Silverman. And your labels, your stupidity, your idiotic mentality cannot overcome science. No matter how hard you try, it cannot do it. But I don't want you to take my word that this whole thing happened. I don't want you to sit there and say, Angel, Jackal, come on, you're making this stuff up. I saw Caitlyn Jenner saying trans girls should not play girls' sports. Caitlyn, you're a woman, right? No, she she's a dude who you know uh, is living the life of a woman because he wants to, because in his mind, Sarah, he believes he should have been born a woman, and he understands that. He understands the science behind the reality of life. His mind says one thing; science and genetics say something different. That's the whole point of being transgender, because when your mind and your body and biology say two different things, you have the dysphoria of, you know, the whole trans uh, dysphoria. This is a science thing, Sarah Silverman, something that you clearly have no clue on. A trans girl is a girl. No. She should have the same rights as cis girls. Yes, when it comes to, like, uh, political rights, when it comes to, like, voting rights, marriage rights, equality rights. But when it comes to sports, uh-uh. Nope. No, it's not the same. No, if it's biology, sorry, we can't play that game because girls are literally being hurt, Sarah Silverman, beat up. Okay, I'm talking about really, really effed up by some of these biological boys and not even fair. And Caitlin knows this better than you. If you think a trans girl, what, you think a trans girl is too strong? I. <laughs> what about tall girls as opposed to short girls? What about... That's why they have classification of weight and size, you idiot. But boys in high school who are teeny tiny and their teammates uh, have already hit puberty and are shaving. Why don't you just have co-ed sports divided by weight or height? I, you know, this is so dumb. They are. They have that for wrestling, you nincompoop, and for MMA and all these other physical sports. You can't have a five foot two, one hundred and thirty pound guy. Get into a boxing ring with a six foot three, three hundred pounder. It, it, even if they're males, it doesn't work that way. Sarah Silverman, they're going to have classification in height and weight. This happens in all physical sports. Now you're just talking about golf. You know, there's no classification on that. Uh, but even then, males are stronger, so they're going to hit the ball a little bit longer. That's also a fact. Uh, 
tennis, you know, let's just face it, even the weak sports, dudes can beat women. Now, women can once in a while win. I'm not saying they can't. And I'm sure you go see 100 matches in tennis. Maybe 20 or 30 will be won by, by women. But the majority is going to be won by dudes. Uh, same across every aisle of sports. That's why women don't break into things like football or baseball. Because once they hit the big times, they can't make it. There's been a, there a couple of girls that tried out in the minor leagues of baseball. And they, they just don't last a year or two because it is too difficult for them genetically to participate, even in baseball. Okay, this is why you have women's baseball, you have women's basketball, you have women's you know sports, and you have male sports. This is why you have different sports. Hell, you want to start up a trans league? Go for it, transgender league. You want to do something crazy like that? Do that. But leave girl sports alone because you're literally taking away the ability from a real girl to win one of these uh, events. You're taking away an ability from a real girl from participating in getting a scholarship. Okay, if you're a boy, you know you can beat up any girl. You can like, just you know, say, hey, I'm, a, I'm a trans girl. And you don't even have to prove it because now you just say it and that's it, you're in. Right? Think about this. If, if they follow the uh, Sarah Silverman ideology over here, how many scholarships are they going to be taking away from girls? Because they're going to dominate the girl sports? Huh? Think about that. If colleges start getting in on this and they start just putting boys in girls sports as trannies. Think about that. Real girls are not going to be now excluded from actual scholarships, Sarah Silverman. So, I mean, how does that make any sense? But here, let's continue her, her audio. Check this out, her video. We're legislating this shit without one single example of how this plays out. Again, I, there's dozens and dozens of examples. She's just stupid. You can look at them up online. They're all over the place. This is not worrying about girls' sports. Uh, believe me, not... <laughs> I think uh, there are better ways to worry about girl sports. This is not worrying about, this is not what that is. This is not worrying. This is not concern for girl sports. It's transphobia, full stop. Yeah, by a person who's transgender. And this is being said by a, a woman who is not transgender. Folks, don't follow the leftist narrative. This is about girl sports. This is about the sanctity of sports in general. But also about not having your daughters beaten to a bloody pulp by some dude in a wig. Okay? Nobody wants to see that, Sarah Silverman. So shut your pie hole. Be quiet. Do your stupid podcast on whatever bullshit you want to talk about. And stop, you know, interjecting with nonsense. Because, I mean, I, I, I'm fed up with Hollywood and the stupidity that comes from these people. But when you see people like Sarah Silverman, my God, I just... I'm fed up with society in general when I see, you know, stuff like this. How stupid do you have to be to say this kind of shit on a podcast? And, I, you know, I say a lot of dumb things on my podcast, but oh my God, listen to this nonsense. It's just such a bummer when a, you know, such a prominent trans woman is such a twat. Mm. 
it's not ironic. So that that was the famous T word. There you go. It wasn't tart. It was twat. So that's very kind of you, Sarah Silverman. Instead of having an open discussion, you call her a twat. Yeah, and you're the one that we should take advice from on science and biology and the way the world works. Jimmy Kimmel's ex-girlfriend, who is most famous for the whole skit of banging Matt Damon or Ben Affleck or whatever on Jimmy Kimmel's show. I mean, that's what she's famous for. Other than that, what do you know about Sarah Silverman, really? You know, it's like being Jewish right now and having the most recognizable Jewish names be Weinstein and Epstein. You know, it's like super not awesome, but... Again, what does that have to do with anything? Oh, it's stupid, not awesome, but nothing that she says makes any sense whatsoever. But does the left make any sense, period? I mean, when you have idiots like her, they never make any sense. Uh, Stacey Abrams, who is another idiot on the left, does she make any sense? You know, we talked about earlier on the show, uh, you know, know, voter suppression and, and... the stuff that's been happening, and uh, Brian Williams brought him up because, you know, of course, this is a big narrative that we're entering Jim Crow laws because, you know, Sleepy Joe Biden has been saying that uh, because of the laws that are finally being written to make sure that we don't have another election crisis like we had last year where they literally uh, rigged the election. Yes, I said it. I'm not afraid to say it. Okay? Brian Williams... The big lie was on your side of the aisle. And uh, you have uh, people like Stacey Abrams, who is a nobody. It should never be counted on as anybody uh, with importance uh, talking in public about any subject. She's another idiot. And she's talking all this nonsense. She just cost uh, uh, Georgia $100 million plus, maybe $200 million in revenue from the All-Star game. Okay, and then now she's trying to circle back and uh, take it back, and they say, "No, please invest in Georgia." I done fucked up, you know. Please, please, please invest. Yeah, you know, you have her stupidity. And one piece of good news: Keisha Lance Bottoms says she's not going to run for re-election in Atlanta. Why? Because people are trying to look at her as a possible problem. Again, I've been saying this on the show for the last three years. Keisha Lance Bottoms. Well, at least the last two years. In Atlanta and Georgia was going to be a major issue in the election. And they were. Why is she a problem? Because she grew up in the streets. And I'm not saying that she grew up, you know, like whoring herself or anything. But she was very friendly with a lot of gangbangers. And they've all been, like, very vocal in support of her. And she's been very friendly of them. And after the November 3rd election, on the very next couple of days, guess who went and visited her in Atlanta? Joe Biden. And he personally thanked her for all her input and help during the election. Gee, what did she do exactly? I mean, he went and visited her on her birthday, I think, a few days later, ironically enough. And she was all giddy and happy. Because she knows she did her part. Georgia's finally getting this uh, his act together. Arizona's getting their shit together. These states are, are, you know, a little bit too late, but they're finally starting to get it together. And, of course, they're calling this the big lie. 
because they don't lie, even though Joe Biden in 1988 lost the, uh, the candidacy for presidency uh, because he was lying to the public. We know that. He's a known liar. We know that. He said it himself that he lies. He lied about his IQ, about his school. Dude lied about everything. So much so that they, they kicked him out of the president to run in 88. Or he dropped out, quote-unquote. Kamala Harris, we know, is a known liar. I mean, I got more African-American than me than she does. Okay, folks, let's be honest. There's, and, I, and I've said it before, and I'll say it again. There's no Jamaica or India in the continent of Africa. If you can find that, then she's African-American. If you cannot find India or Jamaica, press 1. Wait, that was uh, my voiceover for the uh, the, the uh, 888 film. You guys remember that? If you know the movie you're looking for, press 1. I used to love calling that stuff. That was a lot of fun back in the day. It always started the same. It was a dark night in the wilderness. His name was Joe Biden. He was creeping everybody out by sniffing their kids and pinching their daughter's nipples on video. Because we all know that Creepy Joe is a pedophile. Dun, 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 dun. And his son, Hunter Biden, is also a creep in disguise. And he smokes rocks. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Oh, you're too kind. Oh, come on. Come now. Thank you, Petey. Uh, Never ends. Everybody, be quiet. Todd's about to masturbate. What? No, man, Petey, stop playing. No, Petey, stop playing around. Chill with that. Oh, man, it never gets old. Look, folks, you've been lied to uh, for the last five years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. You've been lied to your whole life, okay? And uh, the veil is dropping, and uh, we're deep into that mother lover right now. And uh, I think we're slowly seeing the reality of what the Matrix is. And uh, I don't think we're all stuck in a video game or in, in a bubble somewhere with uh, some big needle in our heads. I think the Matrix is the media. And what they're feeding us this uh, narrative that they've been uh, indoctrinating us with for the last uh, 100 years is the Matrix. You know, the, the whole television, tell lies to your vision, right? Is there for a reason. You know, it is what it is. Uh, I mean, I'm not an expert on the, uh, these things, but I, I also don't like lying. And uh, I, I do think that uh, we've been lied to for a very long time. And uh, you just got to like, be able to see and uh, have an open mind and look through the nonsense and the BS. And when you hear about voter suppression... 
like the leftist uh, narrative right now, all oh, these laws the Republicans want to put in place. This is a voter suppression. Oh my God. How would we vote if we can't just, you know, send in our ballots through the mail? How do you vote? Look, you nincompoop. You do it the way every American has done it through the history of this country. You take your ass into the voting booth. You do it the old-fashioned way. That's how this country works. There's no voter suppression. Voter suppression happened last year when they wouldn't let, again, the Republicans into the voting uh, counting areas so they could count along and make sure the votes were legit. I have video proof of that. This is not a QAnon kook conspiracy, okay? I have the evidence in my hard drive. The ballots, they were uh, in bags and in, in boxes. They were taken up overnight when all the uh, poll watchers and poll counters or vote counters were sent home at 3 in the morning in, in some of these swing states. The footage that came out of that where they were feeding, you know, hundreds of votes into the system. Okay? These are people that were put there and paid to do this. That's how the game was rigged. You know, it's times like this that I really do miss the EIB, the Excellence in Broadcasting himself, Rush Limbaugh, who left us earlier this year. Because, man, he was always dead on when it came to this stuff. And listening to him over the years, El Rushbo was on the money. And, you know, uh, his voice no longer around is a sad one because we're seeing, uh, you know, this thing just, it's so blatantly obvious that the left is just lying through their teeth when they say that, Oh, Trump keeps trying to spread the big lie. How about the the fact and uh, the truth fact that the media wouldn't cover the Hunter Biden scandal with the laptops and said that was a big lie? It was just Russian conspiracy. Never happened. There's no such thing as a, as a laptop. That's a lie. Then after the election, these same news outlets were like, oopsie, well, you know, uh, <clears throat> I guess, uh, well, we done fucked up. Uh, there, there was, uh, there, there was, there's a laptop. Uh, what? What do you mean there's a laptop? Yeah, yeah, there's a laptop. You said there was no laptop. No, no, there, not, not only that, uh. We didn't tell you this, but uh, Hunter Biden, yeah, well, uh, he's under investigation. What? Yeah, they're investigating him for uh, connections to the Ukraine and uh, China and Russia and, you know, all the stuff that they try to say Trump was guilty of. Wait a second, are you kabullshitting me? No, 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 I'm being honest. No, no. Wait, are you lying now or are you lying before? No, no, we were lying before. Now we're, we're telling you the truth. Well, I mean, can we even trust the media? I don't think we can. I mean, 
when I hear Brian Williams consistently use the, the words the big lie, the big lie, and you, and you know this has become a narrative, this is how brainwashing works, guys, because now you're going to have all these news outlets that uh, have been using this, right? I guarantee you, anytime you have a conversation in the next few months with anybody, whether it's in your family, friends, school, or whatever, and you you know, you guys get into the subject of, uh, you know, the presidency, guarantee you're going to hear the term the big lie. And that's how you know these folks were brainwashed. Because they, they use the terms they watch on CNN, CNBC, and places they actually used to have journalism 20 years ago. None of it now. And CNN is like the worst of the worst. I mean, if you, if you have to have a bad one, that's a really bad one. But let, let, let me get into this uh, Stacey Abrams uh, thing here. Check this out. This is ridiculous. Tell me specifically, just give me a list of the provisions that you objected. Thank you, Senator, for that question. I know we got cut off before, so let me continue. Senate Bill 202 makes it a crime for volunteers or groups to hand a bottle of water or a snack to voters in long lines. It also codifies voter caging, meaning that an individual can challenge the eligibility of an unlimited number of voters in their county. Now, imagine that conspiracy theory guy from the grocery store who doesn't think you should be able to vote. This means he can file a complaint on as many people as he likes, and the voters in question will be forced to defend their eligibility. Plus, regardless of how frivolous the accusation, county boards are forced to sit and listen to every challenge. What else? I'm glad you asked. In support of Trump's big lie, Senate Bill 202 removes the Secretary of State from the state's Board of Elections. In fact, the Republicans in the state legislature gave themselves authority to appoint a majority of members on the board, stacking it with their allies. Now they can manipulate the rules for their own elections. But that's not all. That same state election board, a majority of which is now going to be appointed by the Republican legislature, it can now replace local elections officials, even in an entire county board of elections, on its own motion. And what that means is that they can bypass the rules and just give themselves permission. So if local elections officials do not do the bidding of Republicans in the state legislature as directed through their control of the state elections board, they can be fired for trying to do their jobs. Ms. Adams, you're no, filibustering. And because I'm sure you want me to be thorough, let's recap. Senate Bill 202 shortens the runoff period from nine weeks to four weeks, making it much harder for voters to learn about the new election and to request, fill out, and return an absentee ballot in time. But it also eliminates 11 days of early voting during the runoff, constricting rather than expanding voting days. I also mentioned that Senate Bill 202 bans out-of-precinct voting before 5 p.m. on Election Day. When a voter is given wrong information and goes to a different polling place, they might stand in line for hours, get to the front of the line, and be told they need to go somewhere else and get into another line to vote. And if they've got to be at work by 5 p.m., too bad. Even if they went exactly where they were told and can prove it. What else? <sighs> per our earlier discussion, Senate Bill 202 severely limits the number and availability of drop boxes. Voters will have 300 fewer hours to use a drop box relative to last year. What I didn't mention is that it also limits the number and location of drop boxes, which became very important when the mail stopped running on time. Now, I'm stopping there for a particular reason. 
Uh, this is very important. Drop boxes were paid for by Mark Zuckerberg of Facebook. Uh, he paid for, I think it was like f- almost $500 million worth of drop boxes and, and locations, all within heavy Democratic areas. And why this is important and why she brings this up is because this is a one way to cheat, folks. They didn't put these drop boxes in any places that were Republican uh, voters were. They wanted to make it easier for Democrats to vote. You see what I'm saying? Um, everything that she said is pretty much a big lie or is a loophole within a lie. Um, you know, the drop boxes, yeah, it will limit the location of drop boxes. It should eliminate them altogether, to be honest with you, because this is how you harvest votes and you lie, basically, uh, to and you rig the election. She knows that. Because, you know, if you get these drop boxes in certain areas and you fill them out with harvesting of the votes, it makes it a lot easier for them to pick it up, take it to the uh, voting booths and do again what they did the last election where it's 3 in the morning, everybody's gone home, and all of a sudden they got like 30,000 extra votes to put in there that are all fraudulent. Folks, don't be stupid. Open your eyes. You're being taken for a ride. Stacey Abrams is not your friend. This is a person who herself did not concede her loss when she ran for governor. To this day, she hasn't fully conceded at all. And she has the nerve to talk about Trump not conceding, okay, fast enough. Well, she did not concede at all. So when you hear about Stacey Abrams, understand you're dealing with somebody who, again, is just spewing a narrative that is not accurate, it's not based on reality, but is based on fiction. And is based on and is based on the narrative that the left wants to indoctrinate us with. So with that said folks, that's the end of the show tonight. Please check out the page, angelespino.com. This is been a lot of fun, and uh, in the next 30 minutes, we're going to have uh, Mitchell Nicholas Gerber join on the network here with Unleashed Truth Radio. So stick around for that. And Thursday, I'll be back on uh, the show here at 10 p.m. Eastern till midnight, maybe till 12.30. Who knows? We'll, we'll see how it goes. But until then, folks, uh, stay uh, safe, stay COVID-free, and let's deprogram those minds and reprogram what's right. This is Realism Radio for the Masses. This is the Angel Espino Show inside the Jackal's Head. Until next time, I bid you all good evening, good afternoon, good morning, farewell, and wherever you may be. Stay safe, travelers, and enjoy the ride.